like, and if I fuck it up, no one cares. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. No one, no one cares. No one cares about anything. <laughs> I know I should have um, fucked up. To be honest. Why is what that? is there to care about? What okay. is there to care about? That's right, the world is melting. Like, we are melting as we're talking I drove, about this podcast. It's fucked up, right? I mean, yeah. like, I mean, not that just the world is melting, because, I mean, we've been lamenting that for months on end now, and nothing's changing. <laughs> and what's weird about it is because we're talking it into these two microphones, and yeah. nothing's changing. Well, how yeah. the fuck is that possible? We're clearly doing something. We're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. But on the way over <laughs> here, on the, on the way over here... I was driving, and because that's what has, that's how people get places. I'm not sure if people at home, the listener at home, are familiar with. Well, especially in society that does not believe in public transportation, <laughs> right? And I'm driving uh, behind this one of the new Ford Broncos. Which I, why are all of them blue gray? That's another side point. I don't know. They're all the same color. Well, we call that color khaki, apparently. Yeah, um, and they had a um, a vanity plate. And the vanity plate read, yee-haw. And I'm not making this up. This is not a bit that I'm, I mean, it's clearly a bit, but I'm not making this up. I'm like, this, this whole like, podcast is a bit. <laughs> I'm not some stand-up comedian. I was like, well, I was at the dinner with my girlfriend. You know, whatever. That's not a, th- that's always a lie. It's not a fucking thing. Stand-up com- comedians don't have girlfriends. <laughs> right. They, none of them have girlfriends. Well, actually, what do you call a stand-up comedian without a girlfriend? Homeless. so this was something that someone decided to put out into the world forever i mean i don't know how long you could have to keep vanity plates i'm assuming that they're cost prohibitive enough that not everyone has one of course and and i'm not look if you have a vanity if you're listening at home and you have a vanity plate that's like it's not for me i'll I'll, I'll allow it but it's not for me but i mean yeehaw yeehaw and not only that it was y-e-e-h-4-w which means that at least there's two fucking people that have vanity plates in Texas. And like, seriously, the look on your face is is how I feel. I want to run through the fucking glass door and never look back into traffic and make sure. Because I, I, I wanted that fucking guy went or person went, I shouldn't sexualize the vanity plate or the Bronco, (laughs) either one. A guy went to the DMV and he passed his slip of paper over to the person in charge of vanity plates and they had to reject it. And tell him, no, sir, yeehaw is not for you today. <laughs> but what are your all for? <laughs> now, <laughs> and it's like if you sign up for Gmail and they've t- and your name's been taken. Well, how about ye for yeehaw or whatever ye h four w? How does that stand? Like it had to have been so disappointing. And like, can you imagine? Like, you put out yeehaw into the world. That was the thing that you wanted to say to everyone who was driving behind you and into on and the oncoming into you. You wanted to say yeehaw to all of them. And now you've got, you can still do it, but it's a little bit of suppression of, you can't really, it's not the true message that you were trying to get across. Do you think this particular driver was just trying to be clever? No, and no. And the see, H4W I, was exactly because, what because they, they intended. Were, because if, you, if you're going to do, like, I don't think there's a middle ground there. I don't think that you go yeehaw with all letters. Or you go yeehaw with one letter and be, I, that's, there's no one that subversive. Like if they were going to go all letters, I mean, if they would have gone with, what if, gone, the, what if they win? did Y-E-3, no, they H-4-W? It had to be Y-3-3-H-4-W. Three, three, mm-hmm. That's, that's the other, that's the dichotomy, right? That's the other extreme right there. That's, that's the fucking ironic yeehaw. That's the yeehaw in quotation marks. <clears throat> Irony is dead. <laughs> but... To whoever, David Foster Wallace is dead. Irony is dead, too. 
But but yeah, I mean, like how you you go through the entire process, right? And you're like, you've picked out. It's like a child's name. You picked out the perfect vanity plate for yourself. You know that, God damn it, this is going to be good. I'm going to buy this new car. I'm going to buy it. And it's going to be blue, gray, Bronco, because that's what the same color they all are. No one else has that car. (laughs) And I'm going to say yeehaw to the fucking world. And now you can't. Life is a highway. And now you can. And now, (laughs) and and you know what? This podcast is going to drive it all night long. Um, but we got movies to talk about. We got movies to talk about. So, Screamers, before we start, I do want to say something to Jason, and that is, (laughs) look, just because you're paranoid does not mean they are not out to get you. But it doesn't mean that they're not 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 out to get me either. So, if we want to, yeah, I agree. No, I'm not, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm just, but what I'm saying is that, like, I think if we all just took a little bit more care in, in how we, I mean, like, presented ourselves... And maybe this would be a better place. Just, I mean, like you can do one spot, you know, one, one step, you know, the, the journey of a thousand miles, right. Mm-hmm. Starts with one person not getting a vanity plate. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm saying is that if we can impart anything to you besides just fucking top notch movie analysis, the other thing that would, <laughs> the other thing that we would want to be able to send out into the world is just don't fucking get a vanity plate. Don't, don't do it. Like and like and 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 don't put the like don't don't put a bumper sticker on your car. I mean like that that either. I mean like it's fine. I mean like put it on your trapper keeper or whatever, but don't put it on your car because clearly you have honor roll kids. <laughs> right, but my non kids can beat up your honor roll yeah, kids. Did you know that the the essayist David Shields composed an entire essay from bumper stickers? <laughs> so it's it's. I, I, I call it an essay. He calls it an essay. Other people might want to argue with me, but like, fuck you. <laughs> so he just listed. That's the third he, thing of this podcast. What's that? <laughs> that's, the, that's the third message of this podcast. <laughs> this is my podcast. Wait, if you don't agree with us, fuck, <laughs> fuck you. you. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just, a, it's a list of, of bumper stickers. But he, of course, he organized them or arranged them, composed them in a way that kind of tells out an entire life story. And the, and the essay, if you want to read it, is called Life Story. Interesting. Yeah, I did not have that pulled up on my laptop, <laughs> even though I looked. I just yeah. It's a really it's a really cool essay. Um, he is a subversive writer. Um, maybe not as cool of a person as we would like, but still. Anyway, right. Yeah. So this idea of paranoia in today's episode, we're looking at several <laughs> films that take a paranoid view of the world and the systems of power found therein. So at the Filmworth. <laughs> yeah, the Fillmore Fort Club. <laughs> at, the, at the Fort Worth Film Club, we watch Sorry to Bother You. And, and so we've kind of put together a few other movies that go along, at least thematically, I think, in some way with that film. So we'll be looking at Sorry to Bother You, How to Get Head in Advertising, Border, and Ari Aster's magnum opus, Bo is Afraid. Um, I think, too, we'll get into some discussion of the ongoing writer-actor strike and how that's harshing everyone's mellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely taking down my yeehaw factor. Just, and, and we do want to make sure, we do want to put out in the world that we are a pro-labor podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not a yeehaw podcast. <laughs> yeehaw is definitely pro-studio. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah, I, I'm sure that he blamed um, the the person taking his uh, initial yeehaw like vanity plate on a uh, on a you know an immigrant who came over and took his vanity plate because that's what they're doing. They take our jobs, 
And they take our vanity plates. Who are also socialists. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck everything. Yeah. So, I mean, and and the mayor of New York believes that migrants will destroy the city. Right. I don't know if you read that. I did. I did. I did read that. That's an interesting take on a city literally built by immigrants. (laughs) Or a country built by immigrants. I mean, like, can we just, I know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But speaking of, did you see people saying things? Have you seen, and this is our segue into Sorry to Bother You, right? But have you seen the sort of feud happening between Boots Riley and David Fincher? What I don't understand. I mean, not feud. Right, 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 right. Where Boots is basically calling him telling him to fuck. I mean, and Boots, in my mind, the director and writer and director of Sorry to Bother You is a uh, avowed communist. Um, uh, He's he's, he's a part of the Street Sweeper Social Club, um, the coup. So this is not a guy who's not wearing his heart on his sleeve. And he's he's not waffling on his views. Right. I don't fucking understand these, and I, I guess it only comes from, and it's seemingly only coming from like established white hacks that are apologetic for the studios. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking, mm-hmm. it's fucking crazy to me that we, that an industry that there are certain studios that have shown that they can give in, not give in is the wrong fucking, that can come to the table and pay their artists mm-hmm. and collaborate with their artists. And these are smaller studios right. that are showing this too. And and you and you have someone like Fincher or Bill Mars, like the same. I mean, Bill Mars is a whole other fucking ball of wax too. Right, like that guy's right. a piece of shit and has been for de- decades. Um, even when he was pretending to be a when, liberal, right, right, right. When he was pretending, <laughs> pretending not to be, he right, still was. Right, right. I don't understand Fincher's take. I don't understand any of these takes of like, well. You know, they have some good points that they're good people on, but no, they're not. No, there's no, there's billionaires. There's billionaires who are trying to milk these fucking and like everything that you see, like and this is honesty. I mean, every, every press release you see that's coming from a studio right now is all meant to take away from the it's supposed to make you divert your attention from what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. And they're not paying the people that you love, mm-hmm. the people that are the talent behind the things that you mm-hmm. love. Um. And, and and it's just fucking bullshit. I don't understand why Fincher would come to the table with that take. I don't even understand, like, even if he thought it internally, like, well, I've got my, it's, a, you know, this Ayn Rand bullshit. If I got mine, I don't give a fuck about anybody else. And like, no one, really, yeah, they're going to pay you, Fincher, because you've established yourself. And again, what's great about most of these big named actors and actresses who do have already been established and, and writers as well is that they're fighting for the people who are struggling to make health yeah. insurance right. and are living, you know, tend to an apartment so so they can live out their fucking dream, which is what I would think that we support in America, right? Is to follow your heart and to be a success and to do the things that you love. And that's why you come here. And again, I know, I mean, I'm not, this is not an <clears throat> American tale, five story that I'm trying to, <laughs> to impart on here. I'm just saying that I don't understand the take. I really don't. Yeah. And I don't know why they feel the need to undercut because, <clears throat> I mean, it continues, and it will continue, I'm guessing, for months on end from here on out that, that um, and that, you know, they're not going to come back to the table. And, yeah. And it's, and it's, what I hope happens is that we see more studios, or like A24, or these, I mean, they become wildly successful. And mm-hmm. Neon, and all mm-hmm. these smaller distribution mm-hmm. houses that mm-hmm. actually... Um, and, and so, yeah, if I would say one thing that if, I mean, the things that have been made and are going out into theaters now, um, you know, support those, it's fine. They've already been in the bank, but like, 
as you move forward, notice who was there at the beginning. I mean, yeah. not at the beginning, but I mean, who's, who's you know, come and, and been willing to work with and not even like questioned it really, seemingly anyway. Right, right. Because it seems like Neon A24, these studios who are getting these kind of interim agreements or interim waivers, right, haven't put up a, and I don't want to say put up a fight, but they've been just like, sure, okay, yeah, we agree to that. Great, let's do it. Let's go, right? <laughs> right. Okay, fine. Right. So yeah, it begs the question, why do these bigger studios who are making more money aren't willing to do the same because they're going to make more money. And I mean, how much is this costing them? But I mean, more importantly, how much is it sort of costing and destroying some of these people that are, that are not making right. a ton of money. Right. I mean, but it, it's nothing but greed. It's nothing but spite. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's obviously just all indicative of the, um, the, 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 Quickly ca um, capsizing American capitalist structure that right. that is 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 can't it cannot be sustained because what you're doing is again you're stomping on workers to be beholden to shareholders so you're looking at cutting every single cost that you can you're looking at putting an AI for scripts an AI for actors an AI for artists because you don't want to pay actual people to do this and again you know we're not AI is not generating anything new they're just standing on the backs of the people that you're basically squashing I mean, and all they want literally combing the internet for this right. stuff and like right right you have to feed these things scripts to build a model so you're just using people's other work so it's not intelligent it's machine learning at best right. and right. and and so it's just quick and dirty and it's profits over people right and there's and for what fucking end Again, like, you know, as you, if, if, if you're, if you find yourself siding with the, with the side of a fucking billionaire, you're wrong. A hundred percent, absolutely no question, unequivocally, you're wrong. That guy does not deserve the money that he has. And, and so stop, just right. stop. Right. And that's the real American dream is that, is that <laughs> right. we think that people come by a lot of this honestly and they don't. No. Right. And Again, certainly it's on the backs of other people. And so much of it is generational wealth passed down, passed down, passed down, passed down. And it's just exploitation after exploitation. And, and, it, is, and, in, and especially in Hollywood, and especially when you've dealt with this, you know, uh, fancy math and, and, and hidden tactics of, of, of determining how what revenue is and what, you know, what, how much things make and how much they don't and how much they lose. You know, any, any sort of endeavor is a gamble. Right. And, and so, yes, you're going to lose money, but, but there's, but Disney does not put out, Disney does not buy Star Wars. Disney does not buy Marvel. Disney does not buy Pixar without making money. Mm -hmm. And these are the, and, and, and for these studios, the ones that seemingly have slam dunks, it's the ones that even when they say that they're losing millions of dollars are not, they're not. Right. When the little, when we say Little Mermaid's a box office mm -hmm. flop, what we mean is it didn't make a billion dollars at the box office. Right. The expectations were a billion dollars in the global box office. Okay, so it didn't make that. It fucking makes money. Yeah. Yeah. It makes money. I mean, if you just do the back of the napkin math on how many Disney Plus subscribers there are. Right. How many right. people, they own ESPN. They own Well, will they even tell us how many subscribers right. there are? Right, right. I mean, and this is the real thing about it, right, is they want to hide all of this shit. And they've been able to develop avenues in which they could hide it. And now those, those avenues are being questioned. And this is something else that wealth affords you. Right. Right. Accountants to and figure so, out like loopholes. And, and, and this is, and like these guys like Fincher and Mar, and there's others that have come out during this strike and kind of shown their ass, is that they're the fools. Mm -hmm. 
they're the ones still being taken advantage of. And then the puppets of these fucking assholes who want to keep down people who were just like them, you know, uh, two decades earlier, right? right? This is the same studio system that fucked Fincher on Aliens 3. Right, right, He wants to come back and say, well, it's not so bad, and there's, you know, they've got a couple of points on that. And I can can see where they're coming from. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. It makes me sad. You fucking hack. Like, I mean, and and, and, yeah. I mean, like, seriously, how many how many Netflix hand jobs are you giving out at this point? I mean, like, what is what the what is your fucking point, dude? Right, right. And how and again, and these are millionaires, right? I mean, this is so it's so disingenuous for him to even open his just get your fuck out fucking ass out on the picket line. Even if you don't want to do that, shut the fuck up. Right. Yeah. Just That's be all you gotta do. Yeah. You don't want to fight. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You don't have to be heard or seen right now. And that's that, and that's and, a way to sort of show solidarity, isn't right. it? Right. And that leads right into, sorry to bother you. Yeah. I'm just out here surviving. And what I'm doing right now won't even matter. Baby, baby, it will always matter. Oh, you said you fixed that. Get a room. I got a room, mother. Cash. How much longer I gotta wait for my money? God made this land for all of us. Greedy people like you wanna hog it to yourself and your family and me and my family. Yeah. Cash is I'm your uncle. I just really need a job. Forty on two. This is telemarketing. Stick to the script. Hey, hello, um, Mr. Davidson. Cash is green here. Sorry to bother. Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? I'm never talking about Will Smith's wife. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer. This is Langston from Regal View. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. You're doing so good with the voice thing. Holla, 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 holla. Stairs, power caller. They even have their own elevator. Welcome, power caller. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. I got promoted. I'm a power caller. What do they sell? They're not selling yeah. the we sell it. No, well, there's no amount of money that make me do that. Here's the starting salary. Well, man, I'm gonna have to get me some new suits. It is morally emaciated. I can't ride with you. I'm doing something I'm really good at. Cash, I'm gonna make you a proposal. I can see that you want to say no, but I wouldn't do that before you see what I'm offering you. Cash, you are awesome. segue there all right so this film follows a young black telemarketer who adopts a white accent to succeed at his job swept into swept into a corporate conspiracy he must choose between profit and joining his activist friends to organize labor this stars the key stanfield tessa thompson steve young and army hammer who really <laughs> who really choose the scenery i think in this <laughs> yeehaw uh, um <laughs> It's, it's, it, he's, he, he's not to that, like, cause we, his, his, 
scandal was so like bizarre <laughs> and like quick. You know, it was just such a weird immediate takedown. Oh yeah, and I'm not like I, 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 I it's well deserved. I, I say, are you defending? Right? I, I'm not. I'm just kind of befuddled by it. And so, like watching him in this movie is not the same thing as like watching Spacey in American Beauty or something right, else, right. or watching you know, any of these other, um, you know. Me too. These guys who were, you know, horrible men who, you know, got their just desserts essentially, mm-hmm. uh, or didn't. In some cases, uh, Danny Masterson just got thirty years yeah. for, uh, to life to for for raping two women. So fuck that dude. Seriously. Um, so I, I hope I hope that brings some peace to the women that that he um, harmed. But uh, yeah, good riddance. Um, not that it was not that he was blowing. I mean, like, who gives a shit? It's one of those things, like, too. It's like, <laughs> right. like, oh, so we're not going to see him on some podunk Netflix show that, oh, right? Like, it's like Yellowstone for stupider people. I don't even know. Like, I mean, like, it's. <laughs> I like how you said stupider. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this folks shows our take on Yellowstone. <laughs> Honestly, I've never watched. I like Taylor Sheridan. Neither but have I've I. never watched. It. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> I do like Taylor Sheridan too. I mean, Wind River and um, yeah, no, uh, uh, Hell or High Water. And, yeah, good stuff. Anyway, good stuff. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm being facetious <laughs> just because it's popular and 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 the people who talk about it sometimes are are annoying. So are it's, stupid. Right, so. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so it was. It's weird. Like it's 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 weird watching him knowing, but also this role is very kind of fitting into that persona of him being this ultra rich ultra handsome white guy who can kind of get away with anything Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. this man this i was thinking about this movie i mean um just kind of as a there's a lot i mean obviously there's a lot going on in this and 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 there's so much that i think boots riley is trying to come to grips with and come to terms with in their own Mm -hmm. um success and their own career path and this idea of people of color having to assimilate um, and that assimilation starting to take over their real lives outside of their work. And then that, I I think that speaks, there's just so much here that is, this is like ridiculously well done first film. And, uh, and, and there's, there's so much being said, but like that whole part portion of it, of that assimilation and that assimilation then bleeding over into real life. And then that assimilation then, making you think you're one of the mm-hmm. elites mm-hmm. and bef- and betraying um you know the people that were your friends you know and your family and the people that supported you <clears throat> excuse me before you got to be the puppet that you were right, right. and and this idea of that we're going to give you breadcrumbs so that you'll still serve this greater good but then i, I don't know this i i really this <clears throat> movie is amazing it's so good but this goes back to what you were saying about sort of getting to places on the backs of of others. I mean, I really think that in to go along with what you were saying that this film in so many ways shows our current economic system at work where I'm going to get mine and like sorry, right? I'm moving on. But it also this system um really sort of endorses that idea of be better than everyone else. I mean, everything we do here, everything we do at work, at play, whatever, is a competition. You have to be better than someone else. 
right? <clears throat> and, and, and that's what's going on in this movie, too. I mean, he wants to sort of climb the ladder of telemarketing, which, which again, just the premise is so absurd, right, right? Right. Right. I mean, this kind of, they're in this, like, you know, boiler room, just, like, making calls, making calls, making calls, and it's like, I'm going to keep going, keep going, and get to the top. But, again, it's this... It's this film that shows us how how this system works to separate us, right? Well, to separate us from this community that we once had. And I think he does a really good job too, because when he start, one of the, the the plot is so dense, and watching this over and over again, like it mm-hmm. really kind of all the layers start to kind of make themselves clear. But having Lakeith start out, or having uh, Cash start out. Um, Say his full name. Cash is green, baby. Yeah, what color is Cash? <laughs> Cash is green. Uh, it's having him start out selling encyclopedias, right? Something that no one really needs, but it's a kind of a it's a it's a it's a simplistic, non harmful. Yeah, you're pushing something. Mm-hmm. It's clear you're pushing something that no one needs, right? Mm-hmm. And you're and you're trying to sell it to them in in you know and whatever. But then, but it's also something that you don't. It's not. It's not nefarious. It's, 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 right. It's not snake oil, right? right. I mean, if you sell someone, a, uh, you, they could use it, right? They could use a set of encyclopedias. I mean, if they really, really wanted to. Um, <laughs> but it's not like you're not trying to sell them a cancer treatment or, or the, you know, they're not, you're not trying to sell them beauty. Or, it, so it's, it allows the audience to kind of like, well, okay, this is not so bad, right? I mean, right. yeah, he's, he's doing high pressure tactics, but he's not really stealing a whole lot of money from these people. He's... Um, you may be selling them something that's, you know, at a high profit, but I mean, ultimately they can use it. He's not trying to, you know, he's not Wolf of Wall Streeting them right, to, right. to a certain extent. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's right. Like, and then, and then, so you're, you're allowing yourself to kind of say, okay, well, this is a job. And right. I mean, people have to, you know, if, if, if encyclopedias exist, someone's got to sell them. So if it's not him, then who, right? <laughs> and he's got bills to pay and he's, he's doing gotta it. He's got to eat. Right. He's got to, he's got to, you know, he's got to take care of his girlfriend. He's got to take care of his uncle. Um, and and so yeah, it's not so bad. But then when he gets up and they're they're working for Meglacorp, I mean it's, that's not the name of the of the corporation, but um, but you know they're working for this giant corporation that is essentially, uh, you know, creating this this system of indentured servitude, um, which you know again is an extreme, but not too fucking far off nope. from from nope. what's actually happening. Here. Right, right. And this idea, you know, his uncle is has diabetes and and uh diabetes and i don't know why i can't get past the wilford brimley pronunciation of it he's got diabetes um and you know he's out of work and he's thinking about going to work for this place and he says three hots in a cot you know and this is a prison term right i mean that's that that is doesn't go unnoticed of like you know and the fact that people do commit crimes specifically so they can be treated human in a certain sense and that what all of that says about our fucking society, uh, and it's yeah. I, I and then so once he finally does get up to the the super sellers club, and he's selling people, you know, he's basically selling slave labor to to multinational corporations. You know, it's it's this this insidiousness that 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 bleeds into our system and bleeds into ourselves of like, well, we do one thing that's questionable, and we start building and building and it's, you know, and then once we've made that decision and crossed that boundary, the next questionable thing, even though if it's much more horrific, we've all, we've already, we're already at this level. So right. going up one more right. level and, and I can provide and provide a downtown apartment and, right. and all the uh, entrapments that come with that. 
One of the things I really liked about this movie, too, is it, how it shows how really, I mean, it's it judged, it can be debatable about happiness and, and levels of happiness, but how much more satisfied he seemed with his life when he was in a shitbox car and mm-hmm. they were when they were pulling the, you know, the <laughs> they were on wiper duty, pulling the wipers with, with, <laughs> with strings. <laughs> right. But yeah, and at that time the car was packed with friends. Right, right. right yeah, 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 yeah. And they <clears throat> and they go to a dive bar. And the dive bar has a VIP room, which (laughs) (laughs) so, but this goes back to my sort of point about separation and how it's not just at work, right? You go to any bar and there's a select section for other people right now at this dive bar, it's been the same password for how many years and anybody can go in, but that's not the idea. I mean, that's not the the point, right? Right. But Keith, the Keith's character, you know, only notices the VIP room after how many times he's been in this bar, right? right? But I mean, I like that idea that like everywhere, everywhere we go has this same way of categorizing us, of separating us from, you know, the people we were there with. It's like, um, have I told you how much I dislike music festivals? (laughs) You have, yes. Okay. Have I told you, listener? Uh, <laughs> and Brock just got back from Burning Man, by the way. Just I did. To, I did. I'm still covered in mud. Um, it was great. It was great. Um, no, but I, you know, the whole idea of music festivals, right, is this like community experience and all of us out there in this like field or wherever it is watching the same sort of thing or going to a different stage together. Unless you're a VIP and you have like your own air conditioning and you have your own private bathrooms. And I'm like, it's a fucking music festival, <laughs> but we always have to sell VIP tickets, right? One, so that the organizers can make more money, but then so that, you know, Becky can feel like she's really important. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm sorry. Becky's out there. I just, <laughs> it's a name, you know, it's, it's a name. They're used right? to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like, okay, so you can go over here because you're important, even though all you did was pay extra money, right? right? Or your right. parents did, right? Yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's just like anything, right? I mean, it, it, um, it, it recently where there was a bunch of backlash of Taylor Swift fans getting upset that she was releasing um, the same album with a different cover, like in a 48-hour window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, I mean, like, this is, we see this all the time. Like, how many records are now pressed in different colors just so someone will buy all three right. of them? I mean, that's so fucking, you know what, just buy the black fucking vinyl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, okay. I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's, this, this whole thing of like, oh, I have to get the like red swirly. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. I mean, this is what they're doing. They're just like going to put out different versions of the same fucking thing. No one needs a new repress of Led Zeppelin 4. I'm telling you. <laughs> but what, but, but no one, one needs a this period. One, this one came with the, with the, with a secret song, you know, an unreleased track. Oh, I bet it's about Lord of the fucking Rings. <laughs> Have I told it's not you, even a Led Zeppelin track. Have it's... I told you how much I dislike Led Zeppelin? Too? <clears throat> speaking of speaking of music, did you catch Detroit? So Detroit is Cassius' girlfriend, played by Tessa Thompson. She's she's an artist, and she's also, quite frankly, a performance artist when she's twirling signs. <laughs> but did you catch her earrings at one point? I mean, her earrings always had like different messages, right. right? But at one point, she had you know on on one ear it said you know bury the rag, and then deep in your face. Right? Did you? It, so it took me a couple of times to catch that, but it's from Bob Dylan's "The Lonesome Death yeah. of Hattie Carroll," which I just think is so, like, so smart and subversive for him to just like. I got to stop saying subversives. Every, everything is subversive, <laughs> right? Especially in the world of film. But it's so smart 
and just so subtle, right? That he that he does that, that that comes from her, and yeah. how that plays in the rest of the film. I, I I thought that was really great. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about like because obviously two thirds of the way to, through this takes a huge tonal shift, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I was thinking about like why did he really do that? But yeah, and you hear that if you hear the screaming in the background, folks, that's people. That it's our fans. It's outside. our fans keeping them out of bad yeah. days. So. It's it's like um, what was it like? Total Request Live. Yeah, like, we yeah. talked about MTV last time too, so we might as well. Where everyone was like outside the windows and just like <laughs> or like in the studio. <laughs> right, I am Carson Daly, and, and I'm, I'm the other. There is no other Carson. Was there? A, what, there was. Did he do the entire thing? I remember. I only yeah. remember about right. Carson Daly. You're the name. older Carson Daly. That he, <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who dated Jennifer Love Hewitt, and you're the one. Who, he, you're the one when he dated. Uh, oh, what's the chick's name from uh, Big Lebowski? At Tara, Tara Reed. Reed. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um. But I think if he doesn't have that huge tonal shift, there's no anger in this movie. Right. Right. This movie needs a portion. And of course, uh, what we're talking about is once Cash goes to the party at his at the at the owner, you know, at the CEO's house and, and he finds out that the company is literally turning people into horses so mm-hmm. they can get more labor out of them. And so there and um, he makes Cash do this line of coke, which ends up turning out to be a um, accelerator of some sort. Yeah. To turn him into a horse. But if, but if it doesn't have this turn, then this movie is just office space, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just another, okay, well, I, cu- I've, I quit my job and I've gone back to the, the things that make me happy. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to denigrate office space at all. I th- but I mean, but Boots Riley and Mike Judge are telling two different, completely yeah. different, different stories in different, different ways anyway. And so Boots needs this, we're, it needs this shock to the system. And so this movie has some sort of like ground, I don't know, grounding is wrong, but like this, this sense of this shift of tone. So you can feel outrage and feel this like craziness of it all, because otherwise we just, oh, well, I, I know I got my red stapler and I go to the beach and that's yeah. the end of the yeah. movie, right? Yeah. It's all fine. And the corporation gets to do what the corporation does. It takes a right. minor hit. I right. mean, in, in this movie, once we find out that they're making horse people, and and the 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 world celebrates them. Their stock, stock goes up, up, right? And it's yeah. how inventive. But again, like this is <clears throat> this comes back, I think, to this idea of of AI and automation, right? Where a company develops a new way to do something cheaper, right, or more automatic, and we celebrate that, and we're like, yes, the stock goes up. We don't think about the people who were doing that job before. And I want to make something clear. I think technology and automation can be a good thing. But not when you just discard the people that you've been working half to death, right, for 20 years. <laughs> right. And so what do we tell those people? Well, get a different yeah, job. Learn well, something, y- right? Yeah. Go back to school. <laughs> learn a trade. Well, I did. <laughs> and this is what I'm doing. And now you're telling me that I'm no longer needed. But this, again, is, and I think this is Boots's view, too, but this is what capitalism does. Right? You look for cheaper ways to do something, and then you just discard those people that, that don't fit that mold anymore. This is, it's, it's unnecessary automation. Right. Right. You didn't automate anything. You just took a human factor out of it. And like, let's take janitorial services, for example, you're not, these machines aren't cleaning anything better. Look, there's less human emotion, but there's not, but there's outside of that, there's, you're not doing anything. You're not making the world a safer place. You're not, you're not eliminating errors. You're not. Well, and we're not giving those people 
a chance to do anything else. Because, I mean, this is the thing. So, okay, so the guy who's a janitor and we develop a robot to be a robot janitor. Well, now maybe maybe the um, robot janitor is a painter on the side. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to remember the guy's name who did the Vivian girls and was like a custodial worker. But oh, then right, he had all right, these, right. Like, Paintings and you know creepy. Anyway, Goodwill Hunting is what you're talking about. Though, yes, right? yes, 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 yes. Goodwill Hunting, right? <laughs> but like we don't give these people then like okay, so now we've 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 solved like this human labor part. Now we can sort of invest in leisure, but that's not what we do. Right. right? We just we hoard the money. Right. Right. And or we so, distribute it to people who don't need it. You know, capitalism was supposed to be this thing that made everything better and that led to innovation, and so that we could have more leisure time. But apparently, only if you're rich. <laughs> Eat the fucking rage. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Are you done with this one? Uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, okay. I mean, like, I, I, think I mean, I could talk about this for. I mean, yeah. No, I think. I mean, I think it's a. I, look, I think there were some things that were brought up in the discussion at the film, like why didn't Danny Glover's character um, be a more of a protectorate for, um, you know, for Cash his character? I, I, I'm always a little guarded in those conversations because I don't ever want to necessarily to get into an argument per se. Sure, but like, sure. But I, didn't, I don't ever really, I didn't really see that as being, um, that was Dan, I think Danny Glover, if you look at his character in one, it's not his story, but right. if you look at his character, I'm sure he's seen that happen. I'm sure he saw that with um, Mr. Mr. Blank. Blank, Mr. Yeah. Blank coming up. And I mean, yeah. so I'm sure he's seen it over and over again. And it's one of those things where, look, you're trying to help somebody out. And you mentor to a certain degree and you can't always know if they're going to go to the dark side or, the, or you know, to the right. light side. I mean, right. also, I mean, Cash seems, even though he has friends and he's part of a group, he does seem a bit of a loner or at least kind of he seems a little more aloof and alone than everyone else in that group. So I don't think he would have listened necessarily anyway. I think right. he was like, I think he took the advice and then he did his own thing with the advice. Right. right? It's kind of how I looked at it. I think this film does a really good job of showing art as a commodity as well. How this bit of protest art ends up, you know, on the wall of the billionaire's house, right? Um, right, right. Yeah. And I think that that's really great. We see her. <laughs> we see we we see Detroit defacing a billboard, sort of you know making a, a bit of protest you know, art on the billboard, and then, yeah, we cut to the rich party, and it's, and it's <laughs> up there on the wall. Right. But again, I mean, this is the idea. I mean, you look at NWA's Fuck the Police, for example, and now like you hear that beat like in commercials, and you're like, right. right? right. You think of the song, but then you're thinking of the car that it's selling, too. And so, <laughs> But again, like this is how this system has co-opted and taken these things. Well, it, that's an interesting take, though, too, right? I mean, <clears throat> like how long can you... For someone like Boots, it's a different st- I mean, I think, and this is, again, the question that maybe he's asking, or one of the questions he's asking is, how long can you rage against the machine? You clearly have to have the machine to fuel the rage in the first place. You also have to have the machine to get out your message in a fir- mm-hmm. and, that's, and to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, and you take, <clears throat> fuck the police and NWA, and, you know, uh, two decades later, and we've got, are you there? Are we there yet? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, no. I mean, like, so, or or fucking Snoop, and I know Snoop wasn't right. part of NWA, but I mean, like, it's still but Aftermath. He, but, yeah. uh, you know, Snoop making fucking, uh, in lines with Big Time Rush, the Nickelodeon uh, boy yeah, band type yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, so where... Where do you stop this sellout line? Where does where does what does Ice Cube owe back to the community that he essentially built? Right, right. To come back and does he have to continue? To, and again, I don't know the answer to this question, but no, I mean, but like, these are interesting questions to bring up. Like, how long does he have to continue to say "fuck the police" 
I mean, yeah. one would think as long as the police are still fucking shit up and they need to say, we, we need, need to, to say, say fuck, fuck you, the police. Right? Yeah. which clearly we still do. But I mean, like it's, I think this, it's weird at a certain point, where does your, where do you pass the, do you yeah. pass the baton to someone else? And, and are you betraying your, like if this, and this is not like Aquafina or, um, post Malone, like uh, utilizing a, uh, as you know, a niche market to to promote themselves and then go beyond it. That they, they never owed, they never they owed things to it, but they never really were a part of the community, right? Right. But I mean, someone from like if someone like Ice, does he go? Does he need some? Or like take Ice T for example, who's kind of um, you know built that whole. I mean, he was you know the pioneer of, of gangster rap, and then also provided a normalized version of detective work that where people he you know you lie to people and 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 you know the things that he would have been subject to right and right. so what does he owe right, right? i mean like yeah. and 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 again i don't want to question i'm not going to question these artists to their faces and their decisions because cool, they would kick your ass right well i don't know at this point but like i mean ice is kind of pudgy and i i i, I, I cube i i could take cube <laughs> i could take cube t i don't know t might. what if what if they're listening Look, anyway, I, anyway, O'Shea, I, I, look, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight anybody. And I, I have ridiculous respect for his career and everything. I don't want to fight him. No, no, I'm kidding. And, but, and I, but yeah, you're probably right. You no, know, no, I mean, no. I'm pretty sure that they've been in more fights recently mm-hmm. with me. That's fine. Yeah. I don't want, I always said I could take Suge. I think I could, I could think I could have taken Suge. And this That's is not going to happen dude. now. <laughs> yeah. That's my dude. Um, but to your point, I mean, I do think a good example is Rage Against the Machine. Right. I mean, so recently, Tom Morello just played with workers at a strip club as they were unionizing. <laughs> but I think that is going back very much to the exact people that they were speaking to or for. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I think that climbing into the system and then saying, okay, now we're here, but we're still going to do what we want. What are you going to do about it? Right. And I mean, those guys, they said, well, okay, like, fine. <laughs> but it's the same thing with boots, right? He's being financed now by Amazon. Right, sure. I mean, so, but he's still raging against this kind of capitalist system. And he's not backing down, at least, you know, socially, you know, on social media or in public, on, on his ideas of, of socialism, communism. And I don't know what that says, other than he is questioning the system from within inside the system. Yeah, and I don't know where you make the separation. I'm not, if you asked Ice Cube you know, how he felt about making, are we there yet? Or, and, and as opposed to being a guy who, uh, you know, was America's most wanted kind of, you know, that, that ideal, I don't know where he may, he draws the line. Right. And and of course you're a 16 year old kid who's trying to make it and you're a 30 to 40 year old father, you know, that's trying to provide this a different story too. Right. I don't know. I, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting. I just, I, I, but where do you see it as a betrayal and, and where does it, uh, where do you just where do you let it go? Cause I mean, like they become affable at a certain point. So Snoop's now this Martha Stewart loving dope guy, but, the, but we all forget that he was on trial for fucking murder and then put that as a kind of a money-making thing. Like yeah, there was a that to sell records. And yeah. Murder was the case, baby. Yeah. I mean like, so like yeah. it's, 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 uh, it, I don't know. And at a certain point, maybe we all just get swept up into all it. of our favorite rappers are Crips. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Snoop I, was a Crip. I think. I think Ice Cube was as well, wasn't? Was Was Ice ever a, 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 in the gang? Ice T. 
No, I oh, I was talking about Cube. Uh, I thought Cube was kind of like a he got bust to a nerdy high school. I don't know. I mean, he's been seen Crip walking on stage before, so I don't know if there's an affiliation. Look, I look here. Here's <laughs> here's how I came up. You don't flash the signs. You don't do the dance if you're not part of it. Sure, but right? I don't think, but I don't think <laughs> Serena and v Venus Williams were Crips either, and. Did they crip walk? Yeah, they crip walked after like some Wimbledon game. I mean, like, maybe it was a doubles. Like, so I don't know. Man. I think there's people who have license. Look, I think there's people who are look, familiar. Like, if you're talking crip about six, nine, the Super Bowl, which was cool. Snicks six nine's not a crip, but he was like he's. Uh, okay, but, yeah, but I, but yeah, but I don't think he's very well thought of amongst well, not, the crips not, now. Not anymore. Right? No, no, no. Of course not. Crip turned snitch. It happens, man. <laughs> it happens. It ha I mean, no. Um, I love, uh, yeah, anyway, I love our talk. I grew up, I, I grew up thinking that the Bloods and the Crips were basically going to take over America at some point. Because that was the message, <laughs> wasn't <laughs> it? This is like Reagan era, like high yeah. fright was that, um, yeah, the Bloods and the Crips were basically infiltrating the preschools and we were all going to be Bloods, <laughs> Bloods or Crips one day or fucking be gunned down by them. I mean, I, like, I knew, I knew cats in... And gangs and and, <laughs> and and would end up at house parties that one group would bum rush another and you're just like going, oh, that was fun. <laughs> We're all running now from, um, yeah, I mean, I, there's other stories, but they're not, you know, podcast approved, I guess. Right? <laughs> That'll be on our Patreon <laughs> yeah. <at> work. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, right? <laughs> speaking of capitalism. Hey, guys. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's move on to a strange cousin of um, Sorry to Bother You, and let's let's talk about Growing Extra Heads, a movie and, that uh, no one else has seen. But uh, I, oh, it's so good, though. It, it really, so, it really, really is. This is how to get ahead in advertising. How are you getting on with the pimple creep? Just a fine tune. I'll be through over the weekend. How to get ahead in advertising? My name's Barbara Simmons, and I'm a biochemist. But at night, I'm a woman. Rule number one, be creative in every situation. I recommend a new product because I make it. What do you want? Never lose your perspective. Compared to this, dandruff was a birthday present. So is breath. You're raising your voice, darling. Don't bring home your work. You're under tremendous stress. I know exactly what I'm doing now. Get his Valium. Follow these simple rules. You're so run down, you've got to boil yourself. And you will get ahead. Are you handsome? What do you want? I am your better up. He's overworked, nearly had a breakdown. He's much better now. Oh, you're gonna have a monster on top of you. Stay away from me! Boston! I think your husband's completely bananas! I personally would be up all night with a revolver. I want to sell them the idea that boils are beautiful. Wonderful. Wonderful. To boils, acne, and blackheads. How to get ahead in advertising. The career where two heads are better than one. Shut up.
Bagley has a crisis of conscience about the ethics of advertising, which leads to mania. He then develops a boil on his right shoulder that comes to life with a face and voice. The boil takes a cynical and unscrupulous view of the advertising profession in contrast to Bagley's newfound ethical concerns. Eventually, Bagley decides to have the boil removed in hospital, but moments before he is taken into the operating room, the boil quickly grows into a replica of Bagley's head, only with a mustache, <laughs> and covers Bagley's original head, asking doctors to lance it. Which is done, since nobody has noticed the switch from left to right, nor the new mustache. <laughs> um, this was... I want to talk a little bit about handmade films. Sure. Um, you know the story behind handmade films. I don't. Okay. So this this movie was made by by handmade films. Handmade came about because George Harrison, the Beatle, mm -hmm. wanted to see Life of Brian. So he was friends with the Pythons. EMI had just pulled support from Life of Brian, and so Harrison and his business partner advisor stepped in and provided finance for it. Right. Um, and then after that. Handmade also did Time Bandits, mm -hmm. Mona Lisa, um, The Long Good Friday, which I fucking love that movie. It's so brilliant. much, right? Both starring Bob Hoskins, uh, Mona Lisa, and Long Good Friday. And also with Nail and I, which stars the star of this film, Richard E. Grant. Um, it didn't end very well, Handmade, <laughs> right? right. Um, Harrison's business partner turned out to be a schemer and was sort of promising things based on, you know, using Harrison's money's backing, but Harrison didn't know. Right. And so it all kind of went belly up. And then they they sold it to Paragon Entertainment. And then the rest of it is just like a tangled mess of takeover and insolvency. Right. Um, but a it, good run though. Yeah. Well they still have a website where you can like look at the history and sort of see where things have shifted. But yeah, Life of Brian, Time Bandits yeah, Mona Lisa, Long Good Friday. I mean, these are good. This yeah. film and, and with, with Neil and I. Yeah. Um, but Harrison said, I would have been content just to do Life of Brian and Time Bandits. Much happier just doing comedies. <laughs> 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 but it's, yeah, it's an interesting story. But this this movie is also interesting in the context, I think, of, of Thatcherism and like deregulation yeah. as, as well. And, you know... A lot of the deregulation of the film industry in, in Britain, too, and you would see this opening up, you know, new opportunities or new opportunities for creation of wealth, but also, like, everything relied on profits as metrics, right, rather than, like, what constitutes a, a success. I mean, I think profits is a shitty way to look at it, look at it if something is, like, good or not. Right, right. All right. Um, well, and this movie clearly points that out. Right. It has no intent of having, you know, and in the advertising agency, has no intent of giving a shit about whether the project, the product, in fact, he specifically says that no one wants to create a pimple cream that cures pimples. Right. He just wants to give the impression that it cures pimples, right? If he cured pimples, then they couldn't sell any more fucking cream. Pimple cream, cream. Grant is so good in this. I think, uh, I, I do think that this is an interesting, like, swipe at capitalism and the moment that the capitalism really needed a swipe, but people weren't really uh, probably receptive to that swipe. Right. And again, that's why you get something like crazy people, which is we're going to advertise things with truth. And, and I, I, again, I keep talking about these other films like I don't like them. I actually like crazy people. I think it's a silly, funny movie. I, it's not great by any means, but... I'm also a kind of a big Dudley Moore uh, fan. I mean, I just, I, I, that drunk persona to me. So I don't know. I grew up with Arthur. I think it's funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. I <guess. laughs> and I like all the takes of it that, that kind of make fun of it. There's a, 
Did you watch The Critic when it was on? Oh, sure. Fox? Yeah, yeah. They yeah, had a yeah. really they had a really funny um, Dudley Moore character that was like always like saying other like <laughs> funnier <laughs> Dudley or Moore lines, like <laughs> uh, Arthur lines, I guess I should say. But in uh-huh. Dudley, and I and actually I, I don't know why I should talk like Dudley Moore is a brilliant comedian. Oh like, yeah, him is, yeah, yeah. Cook and Moore stuff is just is great. So. Uh, yeah, so, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that this movie gets made at this time. Like I said, it's kind of a dig at Thatcherism and Reaganism. Um, and then it kind of, I don't know. I don't know many people who have ever, I don't see anybody ever really talking about this movie. I know, I don't either. Um, and, and as much as, I guess, it's not that With Nail and I is in the in the public consciousness all that often. <laughs> but, I mean, it is kind of a more heralded film. Yeah. Um, and um, so it's it's interesting that 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 this one is, and I think it is because it's challenging, and it's not. It's kind of garish, and it's it's angry, and oh, and uh, so it, it asks a lot more of someone watching it. Like it's not like a real pleasant viewing experience, really. But it's so good, and Grant is so good in it that it's just it's it's like watching the opening of of meaning of life and just but like making it making that portion of it funnier and like longer i guess <laughs> well and it never slows down it never feels like it slows down or stops it just goes yeah i mean even from the the opening scene where they're like you know in the boardroom and he's like questioning you know the the ads that they put together from that moment on it's like he never stops moving he's like in perpetual motion throughout this film <laughs> right and so yeah, it's tough to watch, but it also like you can't stop watching it. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird experience. But and not only like a dig at like um, you know capitalism and, and this consumerism that 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 is being forced upon it, and and like the and the emptiness that's behind all of that, but also this watching this man's descent and kind of like his his moral breakdown uh, of and and the split of 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 uh you know it's probably i mean literally a split of his personality right. as he comes to grips with what he's been doing um and then like so angrily like once he makes that break right and he starts he's naked in his, in his, <laughs> in kitchen, his kitchen like with an apron on just like <laughs> tearing the whole like he's ripping up everything that's that's every appliance and every, and like mm-hmm. that, that's been basically been sold to him right and he's tearing it apart and, you know, at that same moment, he can't, he still can't, it's like, it's very depressing story. Like he can't escape. And ultimately what wins out is the fucking consumerism yep. and is the emptiness and the, and the, and, and the cash is green in this story continues on and, 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 yeah. and, and doesn't ever question his position. Of course, he doesn't get turned into a horse, but I mean, it's the same thing. His body changes. <laughs> well, like his, right. He literally has to transmorph into an, the same version of himself that he was, that he was trying to squash. And that, that, that portion of it popped out of his skin. <laughs> like, it, like it oozed out of him literally, right? And it's so sad and like depressing, you know, once once the real Richard Grant or whatever you want to characterize it, right? The you know, the the man who was trying to break free of these chains is now the boil himself yeah. and is getting squashed down. And he has to watch his wife and like all these other people in his life uh not realize that, it's, that, not that it's not him, you know, and they question it somewhat, but not really. Yeah. And really, the only reason they ever question is because he seems to be more competent now. And he's like, <laughs> right. I mean, like he's 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 bought into and that's a fucked up kind of message. Right. I mean, this that this idea of like, well, if you're going to be evil, if you're going to be a piece of shit, might you well. might as well be a piece of shit. And like, don't question it. Just lean into it because yeah. you'll be a lot happier. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that plays out every fucking day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and, and we talked about the same thing in Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. Right. Well, I was selling this and I can figure out how to justify selling this. Right? And it's the same thing. Well, you know, I've done this much. I can justify doing these or selling these evil things so that I can be happier, albeit wifeless at the end of this. <laughs> right. But you're right. I mean, we tell ourselves these lies all the time in order to, yeah. Get ahead, get a promotion, get a job, buy something new. I don't know. I mean, anything, everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, if you think about it, and this is not something that's that we all don't go through, right? And, and of course, you know, <clears throat> as we've said before, I'm an only child, so I've realized that <laughs> the only things that, the things that happened to me of the 192,000 years that humans have been on this planet and the of the 117 billion people that have ever existed the things that happened to me, because I'm an only child, have only ever oh happened God. to me. So it's fine. I get that. <laughs> but this idea that, and I completely now I fucking lost my throat. What the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> That's telling lies to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Justify, no, yeah, justifying so things. This and, idea of like when you, like your cash, you're like when you've got a fucking car where you've got to pull the wiper. You really, you look back on your life and you, when you started out and how the fuck did I live off of X amount of money now that I'm right. living, and I can barely making money, like I'm still living paycheck to paycheck on this amount of money. Like right. it's a fucked up existence and that we all kind of buy into and it's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, it, it, it isn't. I think this is the stuff that like tricks us too, because we, you know, we can look at the world and just go, God, this place is awful and everything's melting so Fuck it. I'm going to buy the new TV. I'm going to buy the new... Right, so fuck it. I'm going to go into the DMV and get myself a goddamn vanity plate. (laughs) Yeehaw. Yeehaw vanity plate. But this is... I don't know. It's such a sort of fine line because, you know, I think we do deserve nice things. I mean, that's a weird way to put it, right? But, But what are the things that are going to make our lives worth living? I don't think that they're blenders, right, is what I mean. Right. What are they, though? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. And I don't think you can answer that for me. Right? <laughs> Doing math. Yeah. Like, I got a whiteboard here, back here. here, here, and here. Like, Brock, this. This <laughs> right. is the thing. That, and he just holds up a book. But even, see, but this is the thing where I'm like, so, so often I'm like, look, all I do is spend money on like books and records and movie. And they're like, they're like products of the mind, right? They're like intellectual pursuits in a way. And then I'm like, you're still buying shit. Like you're still buying products that somebody is out there telling you that you need. Right. right? You need to read this new book from this small independent press. You need to keep up with what's going on in this world. Right. It's the same thing. And I just can trick myself. A lot of myself saying, no, no, look, I, I deserve this. It was a, it was a tough week. (laughs) I deserve this new book. Do I have the thirty dollars? Eh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Right? Like, yeah. why not? Right? I mean, it's. But I don't like. It's money's, I, not, money's a construct. It's well, not really real. No shit. Right. <laughs> this is true. So much of the money we use as money is just computer code. You, you think I they're mean, ever so going to let you stop? They think they're ever going to let you stop? No. No. You're, but you're, I think. You're, you're no. Of course the, I don't. Push the ball up look, the goddamn hill. Look, you have to imagine Sisyphus happy. <laughs> right. And we are. We are also a pro Camus podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, Sisyphus found his thing and it was pushing that fucking boulder. He was the best goddamn boulder pusher that ever lived. Yes, yes, he was. Anything else on how to get ahead in advertising? No, you know, it took me a minute and I'm I'm ashamed to say this, but like it was like halfway through the film and I was like, oh, how to get ahead 
Advertising. <laughs> <laughs> I was one like, those, oh, play on oh, words. It's oh. like, it's one of those guitars. It's like a double guitar. <laughs> The next, the next two films are sort of fantastical, I think, um, in their themes. Um, there's a sense of, I think, you know, journey and adventure in both of these two. Let's start with Border. We'll save um, Bo's Afraid for Last as like Yeah, a, we probably should because I think finale. there's going to be a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of unwrapping. Border um it's 2018 film by Ali Abbasi. Did I say that right? I think so, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Tina works at Border Control in Sweden. She has a keen sense of smell and that she can sense guilt, shame, wrongdoing on people as they pass. Tina also has, quote-unquote, animalistic physical features. One day her sense of smell is wrong when she encounters Vor, who shares her features and mannerisms. An attraction develops, and through this, Tina discovers the truth about her identity and the truth about Vor. This is based on a short story by the novelist who wrote Let the Right One In. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Didn't he write in the script as well? I think so. Okay. Yeah. This is an interesting take, I think, on the idea of the other. Um, I mean, it's such a wide-ranging metaphor (laughs) in that it can be applied to, like, so many sort of historically marginalized groups, I think, in this film, too. Right. Um, Yeah, I was talking to you before, like, of the four movies that we are talking about today— 
None of them, not, they all four don't fit together, but like there's groups of three where yeah. they all kind of fit yes. together. Like the little triangles, <laughs> right. like rotating triangles, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- yeah. This isn't, this is, yeah, but absolutely right about the other and like the, the, um, you know, a portion of the immigrant experience and, 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 uh, this idea of, of, you know, this, this idea of suppression of history and understanding of who mm. you truly are. And mm. then the idea also of the other uh, <clears throat> helping pervert the, or, you know, buying into this, this structure that, that perverts the, the, the normal or the, the majority speak. I don't know. There's just so much fucking going on. I, yeah. I, this is such a, <clears throat> a beautiful film, like just from a way that it's shot. And it, and it's also ugly in a lot of sense yeah. too. Like, I mean, yeah. it's what's going on is, it's kind of ugly. It's also just ridiculously fantastical. I mean, it turns out, you know, spoiler alert for 2018, uh, it turns out that, you know, so through her, you know, continued relationship with Vore, and of course she lives in that, she lives in a home kind of out, this is all, where is, where's this film? Like Sweden? The, Sweden, okay, yeah, I was going to say Norway, Nor- Norway. Scandinavia. Right, and- yeah. Um, so they live out kind of, you know, in a remote area, and she has a home and she lets this kind of this this kind of drifter kind of she lives in this sexless relationship with another person. Yeah. And the sexlessness is mainly because <clears throat> she's not confident in herself. She's kind of been. And she also she, talks about how painful it is. Right. Yeah. And so um, but she was brought up by. And so you don't really I mean, like this this woman doesn't believe that she's not human. She just right. believes she has deformities that have kind of set her apart. Um. Come to find out, she's a troll. So uh, right. she's right. a literal troll. Trolls exist, <laughs> right? Not just online. <laughs> and and so she's always been told that she's human, that she was adopted, and that and so she's living in this home. Her father's sick in his own home of herself, but she's got this a companion that lives with her who has a dog and like um, yeah, it's a show dog, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. And you kind of get the feeling. I, I kind of got the feeling where they were like he was fighting them at some point, or, but maybe that was just me, and I was just putting something on my on myself on the story. Like, <laughs> um, he was played by Michael Vick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why it was it was a little on the nose. Um, but this, uh, yeah, this this whole idea of, uh, I, I yeah, th- there's just so much going on in this, and then you know, there's a whole sub thread of pedophilia and like child trafficking mm-hmm. that, that that's going on in this town. Um, and, and, and actually what's her name? What's her name again? Tina. Tina. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Tina finally kind of leans into, she undercovers that because she's able to, uh, find this camera, this hard drive on this camera, this like, well, she finds an SD like card right. on, on a guy's, um, phone, right. Through border control, border patrol. And then, then she works with like the local police. Right. So then uncover like where this is happening. Right. right. And it turns out that Vor is helping facilitate this by giving like spores, troll spores of himself to, yeah. to take the place of human babies. Or, he, well, yeah, because then he's, and then he's trafficking those babies. Right. As a way to like eradicate and harm the human race right right yeah so yeah. he's basically he's basically trying to uh, institute a troll <laughs> we're making this movie sound fucking bon- and it is it is, it is bonkers bitch it is cakes, bonkers bitch cakes film. It is yeah, a- yeah, you said, <laughs> <laughs> jason sent a text and said borders bitch cakes <laughs> <laughs> this movie is 100 percent bitch cakes this is, this is my review for it um <laughs> 
And so, yeah, so he's trying to have a, basically trying to, because uh, the, the trolls have been, because of the human race, has kind of squashed them and killed them. So we find out later. We, them we and find like experiments out. Experimented on them. Right. And so that Tina was adopted and kept away from her troll heritage because there was so many, it was basically a troll massacre. Right. I don't right. know. I'm, not la- I'm only laughing because I'm using the word troll, troll in front of all yeah. these. <laughs> but her, her, her adopted father worked at the institution where the, they were experimenting and testing on, on trolls. And so he was able to, in some way, take Tina with him. Um, I, I, we don't really get the details of that, whether he right. sort of like smuggled her out or, or if they knew. Um, I can't imagine that they would have just let him take, but it sounds like the parents, Tina's parents, troll parents, <laughs> understood. I don't, I mean, I right, don't know, right. because they, they didn't make Fight it. it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And then Tina and Vor end up having, it, Vor basically tells Tina what she is. He yeah. kind, of, kind of reveals to her and they go skinny dipping and they, um, and so Vor actually gets stopped at the border twice um, because of Tina and they do a strip search on Vor thinking that he's male, mm-hmm. but he's, mm-hmm. but they're not male. Um, and so then Tina and Vor have sex out in the field after they run through the field naked together, kind of freeing themselves. Um, and it turns out that Tina has a, unbeknownst to her, Penis that, Troll penis that that makes itself present, so they can have sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a very bizarre scene. <laughs> it was it was weird, um, <laughs> and uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, overall themes of this movie, I, I I really liked it. I thought I thought the one Vor and Tina were great. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and the process, like it's this, like one of watching this just from a technical perspective, and I know you get uh, money from. The you know different countries that you that you film in and things like that, but but the fact that they're able to pull this type of film off um, under a low budget, but the mm-hmm. but the artistry of the makeup and everything else, um, I, I think it's astounding. I yeah. think this movie this movie <clears throat> does not look like a low budget film. It doesn't. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> there's not that many characters in it, and it's not there's not that many set pieces. But this is a movie that is confident. It is shot well. Um, it's it, you know, and it, so to that end, I think it's it's a quite an accomplishment. Um, of the three of his movies, I think this is his best movie. I, I think I agree. So um, I did you watch Shelley? I did. I've watched. Okay, yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Still haven't sat down to watch it, Shelley. You don't need to. Okay. I mean, it's it's <clears> atmospheric. Kind of, it's yeah. atmospheric horror and with to no end. Yeah, I so mean, his movies are very atmospheric, right? Right. I mean, I think that's a good way to describe them. He finds his footing in Border. I think there's got more of, and I, and I think he's helped by um, Alquist or whatever. Um, I forget the guy's name. Lundquist. Uh, Lundquist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think he's helped by the backing of that story and the backing of the, and the script being put together by yeah. by a, a clear, better storyteller. Shelley is is just it is a for better or worse, it's an IFC midnight film. Gotcha. I mean, it's, it gotcha. is a it's something that was picked up. It has it has a creepiness that kind of bleeds mm-hmm. through it. And there's a singular shocking scene that exists really only for shock value. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some cool set pieces, but ultimately adds up to nothing. And mm. it's, it's, I think it's easily dismissed once you do watch it and there's no real reason to like, invest in it. Yeah. I didn't, I found Holy Spider to be wildly ugly and gross. And like, and I, I just, and I kind of understand the point of Holy Spider of, of this kind of, but I don't I don't know if it, I don't know if it really accomplished what it was trying to do. Yeah. Well, yeah. like, I don't think it, this turning back of a mirror on an Islamic so- so society that that is devaluing and denigrating women 
I, I just don't, I don't think that message, um, I don't, I just felt it was gross and I don't think the message came across as like, uh, no, it becomes a basic kind of like cat and mouse movie. Right. I mean, really, right. It doesn't, and, and it doesn't do that well no, either because right. both, I mean, like this is not something that's intriguing. Like, it's not like, it's not even law and order SVU really no. where there's no, right. like, I'm like, is cause we set up from front street we know who the guy is right, right. we know who the killer right. is of these women and and so and his motivations really aren't explored that well right thing right yeah. yeah this idea that he is uh you know has these uh, fatwa on these women and, and is doing this for like that's not really that comes into play as a defense mechanism yeah and so then it is like a bad episode of law and order because we are and introduced to the to the you know I I, I don't we're not I know we're not talking about this movie but but right, it, I, right, just, right, I don't right. think it's I don't I just I I didn't <clears throat> I didn't really like it I mean at all <laughs> no I didn't and, and and I saw it um, last year at the Heartland Film Festival and yeah I I didn't really uh, yeah I didn't I didn't really enjoy it and and it's really it feels like like a movie and a half mm-hmm. I mean because the opening the opening scene or the opening kind of like shot where we're following the one prostitute around or sex worker. Right. And, and that's a little voyeuristic. Yeah. The nudity is weird and out of yeah, place. Like it's, yeah. And especially like you throw that in there because they're Muslim. Right. I mean, that's you, that's, that's, I, I, yeah, I so guess. That's, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's weird. It, yeah. It all feels a little icky. Right. I mean, to, right. <laughs> to yeah. use a technical term. Right? <laughs> right. It just feels a little icky and a little, I mean, really. Um, so Holy Spider, Brock, give it, Brock and Jason, give it two ookies. <laughs> <laughs> Two ookies and an I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have, I mean, I have mixed feelings overall about Abbasi as a filmmaker. I mean, I think Border's good. I, I. This is a question that I had watching this film, and I wonder about the monsterization of the other. Mm-hmm. Right? And you can't see me, but I'm making air <laughs> quotes. Right? Um, I wonder if that backfires in, or could backfire in any way, making the other, a literal monster in this film. And I just, I, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's been done so many other times though. I think that mm-hmm. it's a well-worn trope mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. of being able to tell that story and, and to give sympathy to, um, to, a, you know, to a friend, fringe group because, you know, they're treated that way. Yeah. And it, and it mm-hmm. brings us, it brings us into a story that allows us normies to, <laughs> sympathize right without also feeling so terrible because we're doing that to the others in our own life that yeah. that look like us if we can make them out to be hideous monsters but the yeah. monster was out inside of us the entire time <laughs> yeah i mean it's nothing something it's, it's, it's nothing new right so. right 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 and i think i always worry about that i mean because this isn't necessarily a monster movie right i mean which typically like monster movies are stand-ins for this kind of idea right so that's right, right. well warnness comes from um but this is played so sincere mm-hmm. that I just, you know, I, I think it I, helps I, being told from Tina's perspective rather than that, yeah, rather than yeah, the, some yeah. sort of outsider's perspective, like yeah. her father or even Vor for that matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, because Vor, I mean, the things he is doing is not right. I mean, you, you can't really stand up for those. You can't really support those or, you know, find a way to justify them. Well, I mean, I guess you could, as we, as we've discussed, we have, we find ways to justify everything. This is the problem we're still reckoning with the enlightenment. We can't figure out how to get past it. <laughs> so we should just stop. We should just stop doing everything until we figure that shit out. Just stop. Yeah. And that's what the, I think that's what the Hollywood producers are trying to do. 
Yeah. If you really look at it. Look, we're just, it's not just the reason we're not coming back to the table <laughs> for like 52 plus days. The reason we're, de- the reason we're delaying Dune 2 is so we can make sure we reason through all of our shit better. Right, right. Like, we don't want to distract you with Timothy Chalamet's beautiful b- blue eyes. Yeah. For Zendaya's amazing presence on screen. We're, amazing we're, everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> Two Zendaya movies have been pushed back. And I'm actually, I did not, I'm not a huge, I, I didn't like um, Bodies and All, really, but, and I, I'm on the fence about Call Me By Your Name, but like. Yeah. Um, but, but Challengers it, Challengers looks, looks good. Yeah. Like it looks pretty I'm, interesting. I'm interested, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, I, like a, I like a movie set in a tennis world, too. <laughs> I like a movie. I, I, yeah, you can just cut it off at that, mostly, but. <laughs> I like a tennis movie. You don't get a lot of tennis movies. I mean, you get Wimbledon with Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst and uh, mm. Paul mm. Um, Bettany. Uh, yeah, no, it was terrible. But it was, you know. Just Paul Bettany. Eh. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you have um, Match Point, I guess, which is not really a tennis movie, but it has mm, tennis. It has names tennis and <laughs> stuff in it. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that's such a that's such a weird, like, retelling of Crime and Punishment, too. Yeah. In aspects. Yeah. I mean, but it's got Scar Joe in it. And yeah. Yes. So. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. In a field, in a wet shirt. <laughs> is, is there a more like Woody Allen type picture right, than, right, yeah. than a young woman in a field in a, in a wet t-shirt? But if you're wanting to see a, what you thought was a female troll grow a troll penis and have sex in a field and you want to see a kind of a glowing cocoon baby, like a movie, like from the movie Cocoon. Like kind of with translucent skin that's a troll baby that's in a fridge for a while. Yeah. And you want a, a kind of a morality story about how we should not treat people who look differently than us differently. But but also they might be wanting to take back their land and we've killed them from. Border is the movie for you. If that's the movie you want to see, Border is the movie for you. There's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> I, I really did like Border. I thought, yeah, it, was no, a lot. No. I thought it was really good. Uh, I, I did too. Um, I did too. I mean, I was. Um, it had been a long time since I. Well, it had been like six years since <laughs> I'd seen Border, and had. I mean, to be honest, forgotten that Abbasi had done it, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Oh, right." <laughs> and so, you know, it was interesting to go back after watching Holy Spider, not really enjoying Holy Spider, and then and then seeing this and be like, "Oh, yeah, this okay. Holy Spider, such a weird departure for him." Like, I mean, like Shelley kind of fits in that link. Like, you can yeah. see Shelley is kind of like, a, "Oh, this is an eighty-minute." Um, movie where he didn't really know where it was going and then border kind of falls into those same horror tropes but not mm-hmm. really i mean like neither shelly's not scary either it's just unease and same thing with border um holy spider is a bizarre poorly done message film yep. that yeah that, uh um yeah i just it's it's yep. and, and and also i guess you know i guess he's an iranian filmmaker um so this being set back in iran i guess i guess it was set in iran i wasn't really paying that much close attention it, to it, it, it was yeah okay. i mean because it's based on a true story oh that's and, right that's yeah. right i did re- and that's a weird yeah. thing too to put at the end of that movie like I know. It, like a very like line item so this i mean we just explain it for the listeners who are confused at what the fuck we're talking about <laughs> which is i mean i know that's happened the, the entirety of all of our episodes right it's not this is nothing new this is yeah. this is well-worn territory it, we're on brand like if we have a trope, it's a trope yeah, about you no, don't understand no. what the fuck we're talking about. Well, Holy, we're on brand. Holy Spider is the third film by this director. It is about a, uh, it's a set in Iran in this holy city of Mahad uh, or something along those lines. I apologize if I'm pronouncing it correctly, unfortunately. And there's it's a, a shot, specific maybe. prophet that's from there that is. A, yeah, a, a Mahad yeah. that's there. That's, and there's there's this man who is killing um, 
prostitutes, sex workers who work kind of outside of the outside of the temple. Mm-hmm. And there is also a female reporter who is kind of a disgraced reporter, not because of her own doing, um, who's right. trying to get attention to this story. Yeah. And so she puts herself in danger to un uh, you know unmask this killer. And then when they do unmask this killer, it is a morality story about whether society values more about justice or 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 belittling these women who mm-hmm. are supposedly not up to a moral code. And so there's he has supporters who are because he was killing prostitutes, and of course that's his whole defense was it's that like he was war. he was basically acting as the hand of God to kill these uh, corrupt women. Um, and so that's the story. It sounds like, okay, it's fine. I mean, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, but yeah, so at the end of the movie, we, we, he gets, he gets killed. He gets convicted of the murders and you think that the murders, you think that the conviction is basically for the papers essentially. And that he's just going to be run out of, he's going to be delivered out of the country and allowed to live his life. Um, but they do end up executing him. And then you watch his son, um, kind of act out how he, how his father had killed these prostitutes with his younger sister. Mm-hmm. And then the movie ends, and then there's a line item in a very kind of dark text against a dark background that says this is based on a true story mm-hmm. about what's happened in this city from 2000, 2001. Roll credits. And I don't really know, like, why that line is in there, other than to make you think, okay, well, yeah, I mean, like, we already knew this was a thing. You know, we, right. I mean, like, if this was to play out, I would imagine this is how it could very well play out. I I don't I don't like this. What I didn't like about this movie is that there's no like it's all so heavy handed, right? There's no subtlety of like like it's and it's also helpless, right? There's not like this woman uh, uh, journalist is the only voice of reason in this. And so it it paints a very already thought of picture of this place and time and, 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 and this and this culture. And I don't believe that to necessarily be true. I believe that this that these beliefs exist. I don't believe that they're the only beliefs in this culture. And so to propagate this story and to not give it any nuance, yeah. it's, it's kind very of fucked up. Right. Yeah. It's, it's and it's like, it's, it's very what you would expect. Right. And again, it's one of those things where it allows us as a viewer, you know, especially as a Judeo Christian viewer to go tisk tisk and, Oh, see, right. this is, right. this is why. Right. And now we can blame 9-11 on everybody who happens to be Muslim. And, and, and you know, it's, it's that same sort of extremism. I can just kind of dismiss this entire culture because they think that we all think that they think like this. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fucked up that that's a story that, that an Iranian director is putting <laughs> yeah. out there. Right. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Border Let's, good. Holy spider bad. Right. Um, next film. Shelly. Meh. Ne- next film is Bug Nuts. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm afraid of this movie. I, I mean, literally, I'm scared of this film. I, 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 the more and more I watch it, the less and less I think I understand. Right. Like, again, well, I mean, no, let's right. just talk about so, Boa's Afraid. So, yeah, Jason's being clever. We're going to talk about <laughs> Boa's Afraid. She's very pretty. Is that the type of girl you're attracted to? I am so sorry for what your daddy passed down to you. I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. Do you ever wish that she was dead? What? Bo? Are you on your way? I'm on my way. I just... It's not safe, is it? I sincerely doubt that. 
sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. This is the shortest description we've had so far today. Following the sudden death of his mother, a mild-mannered but anxiety-ridden man confronts his darkest fears as he embarks on an epic Kafka-esque odyssey back home. It's really, and we've said this, it's really amazing this film was made. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's... And I say that as someone who, who likes this, loves this film, likes this? I'm not sure. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I really really like it it's mm-hmm. not anything what i would have expected aster to put out after hereditary and midsummer right um which are similar and although i think he doesn't think midsummer was really intended to be scary um and it really isn't yeah. it's just disturbing in a british horror type way right right um hereditary obviously is the more horrifying film um but i would have not had put this film Mm-mm. as a third and it's it's it 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 is almost like a24 drove up a truck of like just said here's our here is our we're going out of town for the weekend <laughs> and here is our here's, here's our checkbook here's the keys and you know try to keep it under 70 million if you can <laughs> if you can't no sweat yeah cool. we were talking about this where i read that that this film had a 35 million dollar budget which i thought when I read that, I'm like, oh, that, that seems cheap. And then I also read other reports that, sh- that said that A24 pumped as much as $70 million into the film, um, which I was like, okay, that makes more sense. But regardless, that's, I mean, I mean who's making this film for $70 mi- That's the thing is, like, how can you justify making, out of all the things that I want to say about the, the, the movie industry and how much I want them yeah. to support this stuff, I don't want them to be stupid with their money. Right. Like, <laughs> this right. is not, like, you had to have known. And like we said this before, I don't believe that either of Astor's previous films brought in $70 million profit no, like combined. $10 million budgets each, right. I think, so, yeah. So, I can't imagine, like, and I understand how scale works and youth, and, and <laughs> so I get that. But I can't imagine that you, you're, you're like the. I want to make a movie about my own personal failings with my mother, mm-hmm. and I want to mm-hmm. make this personal film about my own insecurities mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know relationship with an overbearing mother uh, and no real positive male influence in my life. And you were going to give me seventy million dollars to do yeah, that. I wanted to be three hours, <laughs> right? And I'm going to make it the most uh, <laughs> you were you, the, you know uh, the most unpromotable film you possibly can, can also, put together. Do you think we can sell penis monster toys? <laughs> <laughs> you know how you guys sell little Marcel shells? Like yeah. how, you can, can we do that for the penis monster <laughs> in the attic? I want to sell in <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix's. Overinflated ball sack, distended, as a, as a, distended testicles, <laughs> as a souvenir to this film. Um, I mean, this. What's crazy, also though, just put all of that aside. That the uh, fact that he actually got it made yeah. and got it into into major studios and major theaters. Um, I mean that it, that it's ultimately watchable. Like it's ultimately not only not only watchable, but 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 really good. And I think people's. I think your mileage is going to vary on how much you're willing to forgive this movie. And I think coming from a, I mean, it seems like a very like incel white male kind of like, uh, not 
call to arms is the wrong, but but like kind of like just like this is a like if you were to market this, this yeah. like I would mark whatever message boards incels go to, I'd yeah. market it on there because do it seems you, like. Do you think so? I mean, well, and, and I only like asked that question because he's so pathetic. Right. But so I mean, like I would feel like if an incel saw themselves there, they'd be like. Oh, I need to get my shit together. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but maybe it's a, maybe that's, that's, that's the intent, right? Like, just like, like, I mean, you know, we think of like incel films, and of course, I think the first incel film I think of is uh, "Don't Worry, Darling." <laughs> right, right. But but those guys at least are like, right, I'm yeah. angry and like women should love me because I'm my hair's not greasy, right? <laughs> at least at least in the in the world I live in at night, yeah. uh, that I'm Where, cool. Like Bo seems to know he's pathetic. Mm. I mean. Yeah, I think so, but I don't, but, and he's not actively, I mean, I mean, he's actively trying not to get laid, right? But he's not, <laughs> you know, he's not like, oh, no one will have sex with me. It's not fair. I, I do think that aspect of it, though, this idea that you can blame everything on your, on historical trauma and your, and your parents specifically, um, you know, his mom actively, um, uh, campaigned for him not to ever have any relationships outside right, of him. Right, in fact, right. the one girl that he liked was carried away mm-hmm. and then most likely bought off by his mother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the intent of wait for me, Bo, wait for me. Right. Um, and then he spent the rest of his life waiting, waiting for her, but also worried that um, were he to ever ejaculate, he'd die. Because his, like his father, father died post-orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> right, before he... Um, and, and at the moment of of Bo's conception, (laughs) right? Um, (laughs) so ridiculous, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, so uh, this is a very, I mean, like you said, you know, Aster sort of, uh, chronicling his mis or his failings with his mother, misgivings with his mother. I mean, this is a very, and I'm saying this because I think Aster said, said as much as well, but it, it is a very Jewish movie as well. Yeah. Right. And I think Astra called it um, a Jewish Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, He's just fucking with us at this point, right? right? <laughs> you would think, but but I mean, I think so. Let's play on the stereotype. I think this is a kind of stereotype of of young Jewish men and their mothers, right? The, sure. And this kind of like overbearing, like Jewish mom, and, and 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 that kind of idea. And so I think on one hand, it is sort of playing with this and really sort of like ramp. Of course, it's like turned way, way, way up. But I think. There are going to be people that recognize that in the film, right? Right. right. Um, I, 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 I feel like though it, it it does go beyond that because again, like, well, I, w- I wanted to I want to say to I mean I don't I don't want to call this a a Jewish film per se. I think to do too much is problematic, right? But I do think there are aspects that 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 hint towards that. The neighborhood he lives in, I think we you know has been ghettoized in the way where he's kept in a certain sort of place and time uh, right but i think I mean, that but i think that speaks to to white guilt as a yeah, whole sure right? I mean, sure I think sure that, that speaks well not only white guilt but like white perception yes. of, of inner cities and, and white fear right, right? this yeah, yeah. naked birthday stabby guy is I mean, it, you know because <laughs> again it's so ridiculous no no i i 100 agree and that's why i said it. you know i think to notice some of those things is, is fine but i don't want to sit here and like dig into of course and i'm not the person to dig into the jewishness of the movie but i, I just think that there are like you know, moment. I don't think Aster is trying to hide his Jewishness. Right, is, right, is, sure, what I, sure. is what I mean. Right, so, right. But yeah, I don't think we're going to sit there and call it a. I'm not even sure like what a 
it's not filler on the roof. <laughs> right, no, I'm trying not, to think. I'm no, trying I'm to think you. of like I'm, a, I'm with like you. a Jewish film. I mean, like, <laughs> it's not Yentl. It's, there you go. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> the Jewish Mulan. Look, I, I guess I'm glad the Anti-Defamation League is no longer on Twitter. <laughs> Look, I don't know Jewish films. I don't. I don't. To come at you. Like, I was just trying to like. <laughs> Brock Kingsley. No, I was trying to make a. The- I was trying to make a point and then say to do much more is problematic. So I'm not going to. And then now we're here. <laughs> Let's talk about how this neighborhood does encapsulate kind of like white fear of of urbanization or urban areas. Yeah, and I. I one of the things I think is. It could be problematic about this film is it does feel like that this movie does a lot of apologizing for mm-hmm. white fear mm-hmm. right? and just mm-hmm. white, mm-hmm. It, you know, just whiteness in general. Right. I mean, yeah. this idea that, OK, it's not really our fault and it's not. And, and look, I get it that this is Bo's, my mom's fault. Right. <laughs> but it's Bo's perception of 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 what's going on around him. But like this is a. This is not an uncommon, like if you, I mean, I know it's hyper realized and, 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 and it's, you know, fantastical, but you hear about the way that the press talks about Chicago. Look at how Fox News talked about New York. Right, right. So this idea that you're going to walk down the street and, and you can't, you can't leave your home to get a bottle of water. Right. Because you can't leave your door unlocked and you can't, because the minute that you do that. The entire neighborhood. The entire neighborhood. And, and, and also then when we get when Bo gets back into his apartment after the bacchanal that's happened and you know blood and death and shit is everywhere and the the slings and arrows that he faces like he's trying to book a ticket to get to his mother's death and he's got a shoe and his monitor right i mean like this idea of like but 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 putting that in a capsule of thinking well Bo is just bearing the burden of all of this mm-hmm, urban mm-hmm. blight and that he's the one who's been put upon even though he's kind of an ineffectual you know, wimp. But you could argue that the that this is a statement of how white men feel yeah. in this Trump era <clears throat> of DEI, CRT being put upon all these poor white men. Everyone's so woke, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, this this level of wokeness, and this is what wokeness gets you. Yep. And and so I think Astor's trying to balance a really fine line yeah. here, trying to tell a personal story. But also trying to give excuses to a group. And I still love this movie, but I think it's very, very dangerous of what he's doing, especially in the first act of this movie. Yeah. I, I, I think this is, <clears throat> for what it's worth, a better way of framing that incel comment, right? Where right. it's not so much incel, but it's that, yeah. right? It's that, like, <laughs> like, not every white man are like, oh, I don't know. But, yeah, like, we're so scared and maybe we should be. And so, right, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, and I know that it's all meant. And like, I want the first time I watched this in the theater, I was laughing pretty much the entire first hour. Yeah, this is a. It's it's really really funny, and and and. But also, if you if but I can see people sitting and it's like it's like I can see people sitting in the American History X and like when when Vineyard does his speech about how the immigrants are coming in and taking over the jobs and how it used to be, people can get empowered by that mm-hmm. particular speech. And mm-hmm. you don't you have to watch the rest of the movie, but of course, but. I don't know if there's the rest of the movie for but, Bo but, in this. But do you know how stuff works? Like, we cherry pick <laughs> Of things. course, of Have course. Have you ever heard right. people quote the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> they only quote it from beginning to end. I don't know. That's right. They just talk the entire time. <laughs> you have to get comfortable to, right. like, really pay attention. But <laughs> this one begat that one, and that one begat like, this oh one. Oh, my gosh, all the begetting. Right? <laughs> 
But I, I was telling you that I, you know, I sat down to rewatch this and I was in, I was not in a great mood. I was in, a, you know, not a great day, just a bad, bad, bad space to watch this film. Because as I sat there, I just was like cussing at the TV, right? cussing at the film, at Bo, at everything, right? Like, fucking grow up, you fuck. I mean, just, and then cussing at Aster. Right. And I'm like, why is this so noisy? I mean, I was just, it was everything. And I think that's interesting in how our headspace can sort of play with this film. And the wrong headspace does not allow for a kind of, I don't know, I think positive interpretation of this film. Right, right. right. Um, on any kind of level. And I, I think it's good that that Aster makes Bo essentially a man baby yeah. any other time outside of his childhood. Mm-hmm. When he's at, when he's a child, he seems to have. I mean, he's still put upon, but he still has light in his eyes. Mm-hmm. He still has, you know, life in him. By the time that we meet him, he's still in a, you know, in a it, it look. And I, I think it's one of the, the brilliant things. He's bald, and he's, you know, and he still seems like he has baby fat. Yeah, like he's, I mean, yeah. like he's, he's not obese by any means, but he's just kind his of clothes like, are like a size too big. At right, least, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, and he's not really doing anything right you see him going to to therapy to a certain extent um you come to find out the therapist is being paid for by his mom well the entire world is controlled by <laughs> right right yeah. right um it, yeah i i uh i i it's i don't know i think that that but so but if had he been even joaquin phoenix and joker right then then he becomes a much more dangerous figure right you have, right you have to make him ineffectual speaking of a movie for incels <laughs> right you have to make him ineffectual otherwise this does become a champ this does become a movie where people will champion this character yeah like, look at him he is the right and he is in the right and mm-hmm. and and he's being put upon by all these outside forces that are clearly trying to, to get him. Now, I think once you get to the second act, which I guess is there's four acts in this film, I mean, um, you know, there's much more, like every portion of this is can be weirdly broken down into, um, be, I mean, like in just every character can be studied at this point. Oh, like, yeah. So you, yeah. Have the, you have the family who has, who has fetishized their 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 fallen son and mm-hmm. forgotten about their daughter? They mm-hmm. you have the the drug induced daughter, not induced, but you mean the, the daughter who's turning to drugs to kind of combat the fact that her brother in, is gone and that well, the, the whole in the whole family too. I mean, there's this great scene do. when they're at dinner and and the dad goes, played by Nathan Lane, goes. Oh, dessert time already, and passes out pills. <laughs> and then the daughter comes home, grabs two bottles of pills in front of everyone, and leaves. And the parents' response is, "Don't mix those." <laughs> so this whole family is sort of self-medicating to get through this, and so she's just doing what she's learned. I mean, but this idea where, and then so you're now you're in a in a um, seemingly safe space. Mm-hmm. But constantly monitored. He's got he's got the ankle monitor on. He's constantly under video surveillance. Everything slightly off. You've got this huge masculine presence that exists <laughs> that is only there in a threatening manner. That that is constant. So again, from another incel perspective or white male perspective, where there's this like this this forgotten alpha male right. presence that is right. constantly foreboding. And in the background, ready to pounce on you at any given moment that you misstep. Plus, you have this young female who is also a danger to you because you she can't be trusted. Right. She's on drugs. 
She is has her own agency because her family's fucking forgotten her. <laughs> and she knows how to manipulate the media and, and social media specifically and also put you in dangerous positions that you can't get yourself out of. Um, I mean, like every character in this section is and, and then you have the mom who like is writing him notes and telling him to stop implicating himself and stop, <laughs> um, you know, basically that's a surrogate for his own mother right. saying, get to me, right. essentially right. stop being a pussy and like, right. get, and like and be the be the son I, I raised you to right. be, um, which she obviously didn't. <laughs> right. Because she's she's dehumanized and, 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 and demasculinized all of the men in her life. Um, you know, the two that were in her life. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, it's, this movie never relents, right? It's even when it relents, it doesn't relent. And so the, the, the part that I have the hardest time with in this section is the suicide is the, by paint is when she oh, yeah, drinks yeah. the paint. That's the most like. I don't know what to do with that instance. Yeah. So the daughter comes in and he's and Bo's been staying and so Bo escapes the city hellscape by being run over by a car. Um, he's being chased by a naked stabby guy. He's naked himself. The cops won't help him. They shoot at him and he okay. gets hit by a car driven by Amy Adams. Not Amy Adams. Amy uh, Ryan. Amy Ryan. Uh, and they're brought to, a, you know, a kind of a seemingly uh, docile. Suburban. Uh, yeah, suburban home. Uh, being uh, by with Nathan Lane and, and Amy Ryan. Um, and they have a son who they is they lost in, in one of the wars. And they're putting puzzle pieces together of him. And, of his and, face. Of his face. Uh, they kept his bedroom the same. Right. And, and Bo's not staying in his bedroom. There's no one staying in that bedroom. He's not. He's staying in the daughter's bedroom and the daughter's staying out on the couch. And Bo's trying to be apologetic and and, and, and trying to give her our, our room back. But he's he's also so to, wimpy. He's just, everything <laughs> he does is just so wimpy. And, he, and he's trying to get back to his mother's funeral, who's obviously died at the beginning of this movie. So at, at, at one point, the, the daughter comes into the room and is upset and like she's going to paint it. And, uh, and then she ends, and she wants Bo to help her paint it with her. And then she just drinks paint. Him, yeah. uh, and that's what causes Bo to leave that situation. Um, <laughs> because then Amy Ryan blames him for that, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to do with that section of of the movie. It's it, it comes out of like you know it's coming, and it's yeah. but it's still so disturbing to watch. It's such a vi like of suicide deaths. That's like that's so like graphic and like it's just because it's not bloody it's just right. awful yeah <laughs> right. it's no it, it it's really tough to watch and i mean it makes me think when people talk about drinking antifreeze and yeah. except that would be more right right yeah visual when you would see things right. but yeah it was weird um colorful <laughs> no but it it was just i mean it's just there to get him back on the run Right. Right. Um, I mean, I can't think of anything. Any other reason why it's there? I'm trying to make connections with like the Odyssey. Right. I mean, right. because sure. I mean, I think this is very much like, you know, Bo as an ineffectual Odysseus, right? Trying to get back home. But and I, I, you know, I can't, I can't make a connection there. But I, I, I think I do think though that in 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 some way, and if you think about Bo, and if you think about like carrying this past trauma trauma you know with him all of this is in negative ways affecting those around him right, I mean, right so sure. so i mean that's just another instance of that a bow 
being unable to sort of stand up for himself, being able to stand up to anyone, especially anyone female, right? To say no, to put that down or like leave. He just stands there, right? As he does and just watches everything. Right. He never, I mean, does he ever make an action? Does he ever make a decision? No. Yeah. I mean, for his own, for his own self, no. I mean, like the only time that he ever really uh, tries to get angry with his mom is when he tells her that he Mm -hmm. realizes that she wasn't dead Mm -hmm. um and that he recognized the maid's hands and not hers and he was upset that the maid died and that that you know that his mother wasn't really dead and then it was all just a ploy um but yeah we so he runs away and runs into this runs into the forest and comes across this traveling uh theater group who's putting on this story then he is watching this play and um he's he meets his real father at the at the play and but the but the but the gist of all of this is that the <laughs> he believes the play to be about him he wants this play to be about him yeah and it's yeah. a story about a man who's loved who's done things who's created a family who yeah. worked hard all of his life mm-hmm. who built things and then it was taken away from him by you know a great storm mm-hmm. and then he spent all the rest of his years trying to get, get it back, back trying to find mm-hmm. his trying to find his sons and then, the, you know, and then when he does finally meet, he finds his sons again. Um, you know, they're all happy to see him and they're all welcoming him until they realize that Bo's never had sex right, and that right. Bo, he couldn't have possibly created these sons. <laughs> this idea of like this, this thing that we build ourselves up as, you know, and this, this, the way that we see ourselves versus the reality of it all and the way that we want to see ourselves, um, I think is this is the most like disheartening and saddening part because this. Yeah. this is a this is a man who who um has never really like I said never really taken an action um and but wants to or and this idea that uh um you know he has this ideal of what he wants to be but no idea of actually how to do it and how to and and, mm-hmm. uh, and all it would have taken and the, the, what this, what the man in the play didn't do anything heroic necessarily. He was just a man, was, right? Right. It was as simple as he was just a person who lived, who had a life, yep. and had some tragedy in it. But he didn't let that tragedy squash him. Right. And this is everything antithesis to what Bo actually <laughs> is, right? Right. I mean, I yeah, I love this idea of 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 seeing ourselves as who we want to be more than more than who we really are, right? Which is exactly, Bo is watching this play and he's sort of inserting himself in there. And of course, then the spell is broken, right? But, you know, he gets to tell himself a story of of who he is, not even of who he could have been, right? But he like <laughs> imagines like, this is who I am. This is, and then that spell gets, gets broken. And of course, it's crushing for us and it's crushing for him. I mean, that is like, I, is it the only place that I felt maybe like sympathy and empathy for Bo in this film? It may be. Yeah, but I feel I still uh, think it's so pathetic though that he that he doesn't realize that that's not him, right? I mean that that he that he gets caught up in the lie of it all. And he, yeah, I mean, isn't that why we watch movies? <laughs> I guess so. No, I mean <laughs> I watch them because I have to, right? And it's just, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> This multi-million dollar podcast job yes. that I've got to keep you on my Yeah, it's like I'm running checks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Good uh, luck. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, I don't know. This, I, I still feel, yeah, I, you feel empathy at least with Bo in this case. Well, I feel like this is where he's most human, right? right. Because look, 
we all do this. We all imagine ourselves to have handled a situation differently. We all imagine ourselves, so if this happens, then I will be this kind of person, right? I will per, I will put on this persona to be this for these people. I mean, we all do this. And whether or not that actually happens when that time comes is a different story. But we know that this is at least relatable. The other times, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know what you are. You're like this jellyfish that's like rolling around the city and not doing anything. At least this is a kind of act of creation right right through and imagination this, and, and, and this comes at a particularly set point in Bo's life right i mean this mm -hmm. is a this is what people do as they reflect when they have little time left at least not enough time to to kind of change course right, right? You, right. you imagine these things that you should have done or how right. things could have been and he's befriended a pregnant woman as part of the tribe right i mean or she's befriended him i right. should say because he's incapable again of doing anything and then, um, then the, the, the traveling uh, theater group is set upon by <laughs> a gunfire. Jeeves. <laughs> right. Jeeves from Nathan Lane's house. And, uh, and so Bo is on the run again. And uh, <laughs> he finally ends up at his mother's house. Um, the day, basically as the funeral is wrapping, wrapping up. up. And the entire thing was that uh, the funeral couldn't happen, that the mom <laughs> was making sure that Bo was present before she got buried. So Bo was constantly under the stress of, well, I've got to get there because people are waiting on me so they can bury my mom and she needs to be buried right away. Uh, so he gets there as the caterers are packing up and he goes in and there's the whole video presentation uh, at, at, you know, that he watches and he sees his mom's, his quote unquote, his, his basically his, his old care key, key keeper's money, but he thinks it's his money, body. <laughs> Uh, he thinks that it's <laughs> his mom's thing. his mom's body, uh, a headless a corpse in, a, in an open casket. Um, <laughs> and so as he's watching this happen, the young girl that he fell in love with on the cruise ship so many years ago, turns out that she was working for his mother. Which again, everyone is. Right. And everyone in the story is working for his mother. And she runs this huge successful corporation and everyone loves her, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so she comes in and basically connects with Bo, like just like they were there when they were kids, and they have sex, um, which is a hilarious, wonderful sex Bizarre. scene with Parker Posey. So good. Like, I don't, like, we need a bronze Parker Posey and like make sure she's no one ever hurts her. And yes, she stays right. around I mean, forever. She's, just, she's, <laughs> she's such a national treasure. She's the best. Um, and so, like, she's so good in this, and like the she's, I love that she's like, yeah, you're just the same except for your body and your face. <laughs> <laughs> and she has a great choice of song for their, yes, for uh, intercourse. Uh, Mariah Carey's You'll Always Be My Baby. Right, which is, a, I mean, yeah. And which is like, it's one of those things where like, you want Bo to fight back against his mom, right? The entire time. And like, what's great about that scene is there. St they're starting to have sex and she's and and uh parker posey has put on you always be my baby and then as they start having sex she's like wait stop we're gonna start this song over yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's good and so they have sex um and Bo doesn't die uh when he finishes and but parker posey does the, the robot that she turns out to be does die so in the middle of she in her um oh well i guess it's not true because she she says that she wants to finish like both yeah, finishes yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like wait wait, wait wow. i, I want to finish too right 
And so as she finishes, she, she dies. dies. Uh, <laughs> but it turns out that she's just a, just a robot um, or an android of some sort. Uh, and that Bo's mother has been alive the entire time. and that, Watching from the, other, <laughs> watching from the corner. Right. Um, <laughs> disgusted that her son can think about sex on the day of her death. In her bed. Right. And this is when Bo, right, in her bed. And this is when Bo reveals that he knew that she wasn't dead, that he saw the hands of the corpse mm-hmm. and the, 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 where the hands of, his, of the, his caretaker when he was young. And then... And then the movie loses most of its audience, I'm going to say at this point. Yeah. Um, basically, there's a tete-a-tete between, yeah. between Bo and his mom, and mm-hmm. they're coming to... And she's like, well, you want to know why. You want to know why I did all of this for you. And like this, and she's like, it's up in the attic. And we've been alluding to the attic for a while. Um, and so you want to see your father. He's up in the attic, essentially. And she opens the attic, and Bo goes up there, and there is a gigantic penis monster that has distended testicles and, and uh, Bo basically has to fight it. Um, and then Jeeves from the house and the play comes in and through the upstairs window, th- through the, the attic, attic window. Yeah. And comes in and fights the penis monster for Bo still again, taking away any sort of agency that yeah. Bo has at yeah. this point. Um, Bo <laughs> it, it escapes on a boat. He's like runs away gets into a boat and goes across this lake and then the boat enters into this arena and you know and another one of these moments of like the the fear that that everyone has and this idea of like well my deathbed this is what heaven is going to be like right i'm going to be judged for everything that i've been doing yeah Yeah. and like so everything every every thought that Bo has in his head that is against himself is brought up at this so he's basically in the in this boat standing alone stuck his mom and her lawyer are judging him and like laying out a case against him of why he's a bad son. He's got a public defender. His feet are glued to like the <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the, the entirety of what you assume would be <laughs> Bo's life sits in the shadows, judging him. Um, as the spotlights on him, and the and the public defender tries to defend him, and there's different things that are brought up in the. Uh, uh, <laughs> paparazzi there's different <laughs> things that are brought up uh from different angles about when Bo was a child and certain things that happened blah 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 but ultimately um you know Bo is revealed to be the piece of shit that both always thought he was and that and Bo's mom made him believe that he was right mm-hmm. so the boat gets upended capsizes um Bo is stuck to the bottom of it so he's clearly gonna die and we roll credits there you go that that's is it, it. <laughs> It is a trip of, I mean, it's, it's a trip of a film. It's just it, like, it, yeah, it, it, you have to applaud it just from the fact that it got that, that, that there's, there's no way that there was ever any studio interference in this. There was no way that there were any notes Mm-mm. given to Ari Aster. This is what he wanted to make. Um, and I get that, you know, Hereditary and Midsommar were, were, were lauded. Um, and I, you know, I think for the most part, this was as well. Yeah, I think, yeah. but I think this, this, like, you don't get to make these. Like not everyone gets to make these fever dream nope. three hour long magnum opus films. Yeah. Like this is not Jodorowsky. He never got to make Dune. Like I mean, you know what I'm right, saying? Like right, right, he got to make right. films, but like he, you don't, you don't get what even if this is thirty five million dollars, which is again, like I, like you said, it seems light. Let's just split the difference and say fifty. You don't get to make these films very often, mm-hmm. and the fact that and like the fact that you get to make it today in this in the system that we're in. 
where you really don't have, like, I don't know what the, like, if you're a A24 accountant, do you just not give a fuck? Are you just... Right, like, right. I mean, I, I, again, and I never want to be the guy that says, well, this movie's got to be made, and it's got to make... It's If you spend 50, you need to make 51. I don't, I mean, like... But I do right. think that ultimately you do need to do that. Otherwise, you're canon, right? You're, you're gonna you're gonna go belly up. So the idea, maybe they yeah. had enough, and maybe they had enough like tax breaks or something to make this film. But like, I mean, hands hats off to them that they made yeah. it. Hats off to Astor that he was able to get it done. I do think this is an ultimately really watchable and engaging and intriguing film. I think you can. There's a lot to take away from it. I do think there's some problematic, uh, potentially problematic pieces of it. Um, but I think this is a film you can live in for a really long time and try yeah. to figure out all this stuff. Yeah. I think there's all different kinds of schools of thoughts that can come into this. Well, and I think can, we touched on some, I mean, here today. If, right. If people didn't catch that, <laughs> we said some really smart things here. <laughs> right, right. That That's the fourth thing to take away from this podcast. <laughs> Sometimes we say smart right. things. We say smart things. <laughs> but I think I, you're right where you can almost section off this film, right? I mean, you four acts or whatever, but you can sort of bracket those off and just sort of study those right? right as their own self-contained like shorts, right? right? I mean, you really can. I would love for them to be, for there to be an A24 like network, TV network, where there was a Bo is Afraid like television series. Oh, like man, that would be, yeah. We really get like <laughs> Bo's origin story, like, right. like further background. Just Bo's day to day. like And like who did Mona actually put up in the attic? Right? <laughs> right. I mean, but I think this is an interesting scene too so there's this like recurring sort of dream or like vision that Bo has of him being in a bathtub in a bathtub and looking at his mother yelling at what looks like a version of him right right yeah and we see bits and pieces of that play out and then finally we see a moment where we are fully from Bo's point of view in the bathtub and Mona is putting the other Bo in the attic mm -hmm. and are we meant to sort of take that as like Bo's psyche? Is that when she like neutered Bo? Right. Or I mean, is this like a literal twin who was asking about the father <laughs> who's not there? And then she's, but I mean, I think this is just another moment of like where we can, you know, sort of look at this in a number of different, number right. of different ways. I mean, I always took it as like that, that whole forcing him to take a bath with her kind of thing is just yeah. another emasculating thing. Of right. his, of, yeah. And so like, yeah, she's just. So it's cutting off his dick, like literally. And right. And putting it upstairs so he can't ever use it. And it's like, he's going to have to fight against it as it turns into a monster. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that that's an interesting like take, right? I mean, the, this idea of that, you know, that masculinity is a monster, right? And that, yeah. that can cause all of these. Like, if she didn't do that to both, then what does he become, right? Right, right. And 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 so does he, if, he, if he's allowed to keep his, uh, you know. Testosterone. Right. And yeah. what, is that, what does that do to him? Because, I mean, Bo does look like a kind of, a, you know, guy who's got low T issues. And, like, you know, and it's just. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I wonder if he's talked to Frank Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Get some extends in this motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> and Doug Flutie. Um, <laughs> Showing our age speaking here. Speaking of like, uh, like how to get ahead in advertising, like seriously, how badly did you mismanage your money or how much money did they offer you to like to do that ad? Now, again, I mean, like, it, like I don't think everyone's like <laughs> truly thinking that Frank Thomas is, and Doug Flutie are neutered. But this idea of like some some fucking weekend warrior jock coming up, it's like, I want to fuck like Frank Thomas yeah. fucks. Well, wait a you minute. You use it too? Frank Thomas needs a little bit of oomph in the bedroom. Like, the big hurt? Goddamn. They, they didn't call him the big hurt because of what he did on the field, right? <laughs> what sorry. he did in the bedroom. 
<laughs> I, where do you lose your integrity? And then again, it's, it's easy for me to say that because I never had any. And, right. like I, and I wouldn't right. be offered the opportunity to lose it in that sort of like right. monetary fashion. Right. But where the fuck do you lose your integrity? Yeah. But again, like where do you draw the line? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so right. if you're, are, if are you're we done yet, right? I mean, if you're like, Ice Cube, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, where do you sort of say like, what? I'm retired. Like, what else am I going to? Right. Okay, sure. Like, what do you think? I give a, give a shit about shilling for boner pills? Who are you going to make fun of me, buddy? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, right. But again, like, yeah. I what does it matter? Yeah. What's the matter when you're driving? Like, yeah. And at a certain point, do you just consider yourself a salesman all the time? I'm selling myself on the field. I'm selling myself here. I'm selling myself here. So, all right, here's one more thing. Yeah, it just. And how big are those checks? It just, and do they, are they a shower or a grower? <laughs> it just awesome. seems like if we, again, this is the society that we built for ourselves. This is the society where we've taught everyone that money, it's the Worthington law, right? And I'm, I'm stealing that from Mr. Show, but that's, mm-hmm. this is the Worthington <laughs> law. This is if, if you've got more money than Einstein, you're smarter than Einstein. <laughs> yeah, right. right and right. so the, 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 we don't, we don't want, we don't even want Christianity. We don't even want morality. Mm-hmm. We don't want that. Mm-hmm. We want to pretend. We want to wear that as a piece of clothing, but we don't actually want to do it. What we want is money. And so not, I, I don't give a shit about snake oil being sold necessarily. I mean, there's, there's something to be said about manufacturing at that and, and hawking it. But that's been going on since... You know, for the for the hundred ninety two thousand years we've been on this earth, doesn't mean um, it's okay, right? I'm, but I guess, like, you know, I'm a Hall of Fame baseball player. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked, I worked hard. I mean, I was given gifts by DNA and and by you know heritage and 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 and, and luck and the luck and, of the draw. and luck yeah. and yeah and, and I, yes and I, I worked hard, but I also got noticed by the right people and had the right opportunities yeah. handed to me. But I also accomplished something that, that is rare and that won't be accomplished by many. And I'm using that cachet to further my riches by selling shit to people they, that not only do they don't need, but just simply won't fucking work. Mm-hmm. And then the boil comes out on your neck <laughs> and takes over the good part of your soul and just says, fucking take the money, man. Yeah. Just take the fucking money. The boil says... And she'll like it too. <laughs> God damn that fucking ad! <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, yeah. like, yeah. It, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck you, yeah. fuck, fuck all that shit. Just fuck. So these have been four very interesting films that we've looked at today. <laughs> no, no, it's a um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a bummer day around here. I mean, like, look, money sucks, fucking <laughs> shit, right? <laughs> but to get away from the bummerness, well, I mean, and this is a good like, I don't want to like no, want to extend this, but like, this is a good yeah. this is a good call back to sorry to bother you. And mm-hmm. one thing that we didn't mm-hmm. really talk about is when Cassius Green goes to the party. He is forced to do things. When I say forced, he still chooses to do them. But Army Hammer basically makes him rap. And it's like, you're black. You must know the black experience. You must have, put, you must have popped a cap mm-hmm. in someone's ass. Mm-hmm. 
and like Cash is like, no, I don't, I don't rap. I mean, I listen to rap, and I don't, but I can't rap. He's like, come on, you're rap, rap. And then they're all just like, rap, 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 rap. And he tries to rap and essentially sells out, you know, I don't want to, I mean, just sells out his, his culture, his hair is, I mean, like just sells himself out. With the rap that he does, and I'm not going to repeat it, right. but I mean, but it's but and but then, he's playing to this crowd. Right, I mean, he's doing exactly what they want to hear, and giving them license to say the same thing. Right, back. and the only two people that really look at him and like question him it's are Mr. Army Blank. Hammer and Mr. Blank, and yeah. they're both like, "Oh shit, you're really doing this." Really, so we know we fucking own you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and and yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting scene that 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 Cash never really kind of comes to, I mean, like, because at that point, Cash then becomes, realizes he's going to become a horse and all the horrors happen. So he's allowed to kind of like, but he never really has to sit with that moment. Well, there's that moment where he's sitting kind of by himself as, as the orgy is taking place, right? And he's not taking part in it. And he just looks completely dejected and drunk and just kind of beside himself. So I wonder if there is a moment of like reckoning of like, Oh God. Okay. Well, yeah. What have I, <laughs> right. what have what I have sort I become, of become? Right. What have I done? Right. And then Mr. Blank says, you got to go do this and don't mess it up. And, and he just, it looks like he doesn't want to go do it. But then of course, like he gets excited. Yeah. Right. That scene where he's rapping reminds me, I don't know if you listen to Vince Staples, um, especially like summer 2006, mm-hmm. um, Vince Staples, um, he's from Long Beach. Um, another crip rapper, <laughs> but he's really great. And, in, in, in one song he talks about, being at a concert, saying the N-word, and having all the white fans say it back to him. And he's just like, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> I mean, so right. yeah. this is, I mean, it's a really interesting moment of like that kind of cultural appropriation and non-appreciation, I think, and right. from from audience. So yeah. The world's a difficult place, people. And so I think if you've learned nothing today. <laughs> which Clearly you haven't. haven't, (laughs) At least you've learned that. At least that we think it's a difficult place. It's a disheartening place. I think especially when we talk about art and we want to, you know, in in many different ways create art, it's a really difficult place to sort of be. It's not valued. It's not valued. And it's it's difficult. It's, uh, it's, you know, as much as we talk about, like, we're surprised that 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 movie got made, Boa was afraid it got made. Like, it's it's weird to talk about movies. And we become this thing where we talk about movies in in the the amount of dollars that they can bring in. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's weird to talk about it in a capitalistic society where, um, it's devalued to the sense that it becomes pop culture, right? Like we talked about the, the art, the, the commodification, the, yeah, the, the, mm. the resistance art becoming, um, a, uh, you know, on, it's on the billionaire's wall. So I mean, we talk about Banksy and all this other, like these other pop, you know, Fucking these shepherd fair. <laughs> Right. All these kind of like graffiti, like low end, like not low end, but like these kind of underground artists who then become, become these, um, yeah. you know, and it even happened to people like Basquiat and like, the, I mean, like, it's yep. just, it, it, yep. it's, it's a matter of you, you know, you eventually become the villain that uh, you're trying to fight against all along, right? Whatever the fucking Batman line is, I don't know. <laughs> so next time we're going to get back into more Cassavetes with Minnie and Moskowitz and A Woman Under the Influence. We'll also talk about the new Emma Seligman film, Bottoms, starring Rachel Sennett and Ayo Edeberry. I'm sure that I just fucked that name up, but I'm she, very I th- sorry. I think she'd be okay with yeah. you doing it. I think she's probably used to it. And she seems very affable and, like, very nice and, and very funny and... and so fucking good in those in that movie. Yeah, so like, yeah. 
Yeah, if you haven't seen Bottoms, go see Bottoms. I'm looking forward to talking about it because it's it is such a good fun movie. So, okay. anything else you wanna you wanna throw in there? No, I think that's it. Okay, keep right. living, guys. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 I would like to say it only gets better, but you know, it, it doesn't. Yeah, um, L I V I N. All right, <laughs> Un- until next time. Thanks for listening and keep fucking screaming, guys. You have been listening to Why Does the Wilhelm Scream with your hosts, Brock and Jason. If you like today's episode, do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe in whatever application you use to consume podcasts these days. You can reach us by visiting whydoesthewilhelmscream.com. If you are in the DFW area, we would love to see you at a Fort Worth Film Club event. You can learn more about those and find a full schedule at fortworthfilmclub.com. And you can learn about my foundation and how we are trying to foster the next generation of film lovers at realhousefoundation.org. That's R-E-E-L housefoundation.org. Till next time.